94 of Snakes and Stogues. Justin Smith of Palmetto Coast Exotics. I'm Phil Wolf of the Nefers Initiative. And joined tonight, a very <laughs> special guest. The one, the only. The one who needs no introduction, but we love hearing his name anyway. We present to you the podfather, Mr. Eric Burke. <laughs> What's up, guys? How you doing? I've been, I've been sick for a week. <laughs> so this is you, my first uh, podcast. You got the Rona? No, I had uh, asthma, allergies. I've been in the hospital three times. It's, it's been Jesus. Nuts. Jeez. Yeah. But I'm here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it's so funny. Now, if you don't have Corona, people are like, wow, that's weird. You got the flu? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> what was that like? <laughs> Uh, so well, I'm glad to hear that you're alive and you're not, you know, strapped down or plugged in, you know. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, Scott uh, saying my bookcase is rookie level. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> What's funny, well, all is, of our I snake think... rooms, all of our bookshelves, they're all rookie level compared to Scott's, That's which true is story. legitimately true. What I was gonna say is, I think this is the first time I've ever noticed Eric's room illuminated like it's yeah always, it is awfully like bright in there it's awfully bright in there I, I don't know if it's the white cages or the, or the door made i don't know i have some lights that are going on in front of me it's probably ah. what it is I'm trying to upgrade a bit you know i like it i like <laughs> it it's homey yeah so justin this is episode 94 90 freaking four 90 freaking four and as always Tonight's show is brought to you by the fine people of the Pacific Northwest, the fine Gendra at Puget Sound Pythons. Right up here in the corner. <laughs> that Facebook, Schmexy. Instagram, YouTube, all that good stuff. Um, so as far as cigar stuff goes, I figured since we're having the podfather himself on that I would smoke some my father's cigars. Ah, <laughs> excellent. Nice. Um, so I have the La Flor de las Antillas. This is the 6x60, the Toro Gordo. I don't know that I've had this size yet. And this this used to be one of my go-tos. Like the Toro was phenomenal. Got Cigar of the Year like a billion years ago. So I was like, you know, I haven't had the 60, at least not that I can remember. So we're going we're gonna to light this one up. And then I got a Jaime Garcia, which is also from my father, which is very good if you want something a little stronger. So that's why I'm smoking this first because this is more of a medium smoke. It's probably going to be even more medium because it's a bigger ring gauge. Uh, and then the Jaime's, that's on deck for round two if we end up going that long. So Nice. Yeah, I, um, I will not be smoking a cigar this evening because Jesus. my sinuses are still jacked from the Rona. And I tried to smoke it's an excuse. Romeo, uh, yeah, I tried to smoke a Romeo y Julieta uh like uh i don't even know what it is it's like a, it's like a two and a half three inch long 60 if that makes sense whatever they call that and uh it uh, tasted like burnt newspaper so hopefully this comes back to normal otherwise i'm gonna have to find did, a new hobby uh, speaking of romeo i did smoke one of those moldy coronas this morning oh yeah i gotta say that thing tasted damn good Excellent. Glad to hear it. 
Good stuff. Nice. We had a so backstory is because we I think we talked about in the group, the Six and Sogi's group chat on Facebook, but um we've had a box of Romeo and Juliet coronas that come in the metal tube uh forever. We took them off the shelf all, like two at least two years ago because they started showing signs of mold, like little white spots, which isn't a big deal, but people see it and they don't want to buy it. So we've we set that box aside. Uh, the owner finally pulled it out and was like, go through these. And if there's any that are okay, like take them. And so I was like, they're all okay. I promise. And so I ended up taking like the entire box. <laughs> Mold be damned. <laughs> nothing. Nice. Yeah. But because yeah. they've been in there so long, they taste freaking phenomenal. Like they're good. Now the question is, did you take a damp paper towel and gently wipe them off or did you just smoke them? Hell no. Just brush them off, man. Nice. True tobacconist. I got a new. I got a newbie cigar question for you. How long okay. does a cigar typically last? Like, is there a shelf life on those things? Um, I mean, Depends there's not on... really a shelf life in terms of like it remaining intact structurally. Mm -hmm. uh, we were talking about this actually not that long ago. Like, not all cigars are meant to be aged. Just like mm -hmm. all, like a lot of wines aren't necessarily meant to be aged; they're meant to be opened up and and drank, drink, okay. drunk. Um, cigars typically, from from what I've sort of read and been told, is like around five years is kind of where they seem to peak flavor wise. You know, after that, they tend to kind of go downhill and sort of lose flavor because over time, those oils and stuff that are in the cigar that give it that flavor, you know, they migrate elsewhere, you know, into the cedar, the humidor, whatever. Um, so I guess it's gotcha. really, it depends It's personal preference more than anything. Like if someone wants to age something 10 years and they think it tastes awesome, perfect then do that. But you know, I oh, wow. typically so you, five you, years seems to sort of be the, the sweet spot. Okay. Good to know. Yeah. I mean, I, I've got Cubans that were legitimately brought in by coworkers and family members who were in Cuba and I've had them for seven, eight sometimes nine years since I started getting them and half of them are garbage and the other half are phenomenal. And I attribute the garbage to just the, all the imperfections and inconsistencies with Cuban rolling as right. Justin and I talk about all the time. And those other ones, I think they taste great because they've been sitting there just soaking it in, you know, and, and I have them with a bunch of other sticks. So it wouldn't shock me if there was some uh, herbal cross contamination there. You know what I mean? Um, I could be talking out of my ass, but I enjoy it. So, but well, it's also dependent on how oily that cigar is too. Like if yeah. you're doing like a Connecticut, like a light wrapper, that's a light cigar period. There's really not a, they're typically not oily Connecticut's oily is usually like dark Maduro's um, like Colorado Oscuro's like the LFD or any of the LFD Lajero or double Lajero stuff is typically really oily. And so that stuff yeah. is probably going to, going to age pretty well over time because it's going to mellow out some, but stuff like, um, you know, your Connecticut's or some of your, your Habanos, those may not, you may not notice as much of a difference in those. Cause it's typically just sort of a less oily or drier leaf, if you will. Yeah. I, gotcha. plan, on, I plan on taking some tabernacles, some like tabernacle bellicosos and just squirrel them away. You know what I mean? Just see how they turn out give it a year, like smoke one, see how it goes. Mm -hmm. Something like gotcha. that. Okay. <clears throat> um, I got what I, oh, I was going to say, I got, Oh, go ahead. No, 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 no. Uh, well, yes, question. 
I was going to say, ask, is there like seasonality with with cigars as well? Like, you know how like beer will have seasonalities, you know, coffee has um, same thing? A little bit. So because a lot of the tobaccos in cigars, at least most premium cigars, uh, they sit on these giant bundles of them called pilones, right. um, where that leaf ferments. And that's where you get like that, that dark, dark color for Maduro wrappers and stuff like that. Gotcha. Um, a lot of these companies they'll sit on these these piles of tobacco indefinitely or for however long um but i mean it is a crop still so you know your hurricanes um you know having to relocate to another plot because soil needs to be sort of rejuvenated or whatever um just like anything else like there's gonna it's gonna vary from year to year you know you'll right. get a cigar uh, like the the oliva melania is a really good example you know a couple years that was a great cigar and now when i smoke it it's just not the same you know whether that's because they secretly changed the blend or something or if maybe just the crops just got weaker over time gotcha. who's to say i don't know but uh i mean there are some seasonal releases though some companies do do uh like fuente around christmas does their extra viaje which is usually really good and we we only get those like in december so we have people who come in, see them on the shelves in June and know they've been sitting there for a couple months and they'll buy like every single one of them because they know yeah. that that only comes out during Christmas. So there's a couple sort of like beers and stuff, you know, there are seasonal releases. Um, the Colorado Oscuro from LFD, once again, that's like a fall release for them. Um, and so it's nice to, because then you have an idea of how long they've been sitting in there. If you're, you know, in that realm, you know, those have been in there a hot minute. If they're, you know, if you're looking at like a cooler month release and you're seeing it in the summer, or even the following year, that's uh, that's a good sign. Gotcha. Also, cool. uh, going back to to Eric's first question was when he said, you know, how long does it last? I didn't. I wasn't going to aging. I was going to like duration of smoke. That's what I and, was thinking originally. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. And it's it's a really interesting thing because there's so many different spectrums in terms of that. Like there's a lot of quick smokes and like sometimes they'll even warn you. Like, I, like I know like some of the tobacconists that are worth their weight in salt, they'll say, Hey man, those are really delicious, but be careful. You're going to be done with it before you know it. Or, Hey, that thing burns really slow. FYI. Mm -hmm. Like there, I used to buy these Sosas that were, I mean, they were like a short, they were like a short Toro and it, it appeared like a good 15, maybe 20 minute smoke. That thing would be lit for like an hour, and you're just. Well, just I love going. those those warped cortos, man. Like that looks yes. like a small, quick smoke, and it is not. It's gonna burn it just, just as long as any robusto will, and that's a. Yeah. You know, and that's there's that's a question I get asked a lot is you know, how long is this gonna take to smoke? And there's just too many variables. You know, the roll of the cigar itself, um, the gauge. So your lanceros and stuff, uh, those are gonna burn fairly quick depending on the roll and they're also going to burn hotter so you really want to slow down on those um stuff like your 60s and whatnot because there's there's more filler and binder they're probably going to be a little more prolonged um so it it really just it depends like padrones i can smoke a freaking padrone exclusivo in what feels like 30 minutes and that's like a standard toro you know they just they burn so quick, and that's just because Padron is known for for rolling fairly loosely compared to other companies. Uh, and so I also get a lot of people who come in and they start squeezing and 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 finger fucking, for lack of a better word, these cigars and telling me, "Oh, this is hard. This is soft. This is hard. These aren't right." And it's like, dude, it ain't that simple. Like, 
it's, it depends on the company and the, the people that are putting it out. Like box presses also typically burn. Um, they have less filler and binder in them to accommodate for that box shape. Um, so those do typically tend to burn a little faster and usually a little funnier too. So gotcha. Who's the cliff notes version? <laughs> I love it. Cool. Oh, so, uh, we have a bunch of stuff to talk about tonight. Yeah, this is like the first show we've actually had like serious like planning for. And I, yeah. even then it wasn't even like serious planning. It was like a list of like, we want to hit this, 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 this. Yeah. Well, I mean, let's first talk. Um, we love having the Podfather on. I mean, it's it's an honor and a privilege to be graced with his presence, even if it's digitally, right? <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> but we also feel bad for him because... He was left behind by his kin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so you want to elaborate a little bit? Yeah. So yeah, that's kind of kind of sucks, right? Um, yeah, we've been planning this trip for a year. It's actually supposed to be all. It was uh, the hopeful Australia trip, twenty twenty one. But uh, clearly, things are going uh, <laughs> going crazy down there. Um, but. No, I got I got uh, some family stuff going on. People with uh, my father-in-law is not doing too good, and my wife has to go down to see him. And I just felt that if I was out in the middle of the Arizona desert and something happened, that uh, I don't know, I, I just I couldn't leave her, so I had to yeah. stay behind for that. And um, uh, and yeah, and my mom she has some health issues too, so we're taking care of that. And uh, just the timing just just screwed up but uh I'm, i am glad that owen went because it, it's weird that uh he went and i didn't because typically he's the one that doesn't go right and uh i, I i'm usually there but uh no i wish those guys uh they, you know good 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 snake hunting and uh i told them the funny thing was i i said to him i said uh i said man if you guys go and you just like find all these snakes all the time it's going to be me. That's like the bad luck charm. And you're going <laughs> to, nah, come on. Nah, nah, <laughs> you know, but, uh, but yeah, no, nah, that, that's really what it was. And then it turned out, you know, it, it was kind of like, uh, me and Rob were going back and forth and, uh, Rob, um, you know, he, he kept trying to, you know, push me to go, come on, man, come on, man. You know? And, uh, I, I, we were holding out hope to the last minute and then, uh, I got sick. And then that was it. That was just it. But uh, feel yeah. better now. Uh, I'm on the, on on the mend, and uh, yeah, that that that's sort of why they went, and I didn't. So, well, at least you didn't fall for it like I did in Texas. So, <laughs> <laughs> come on, man, dude, that was an experience just of a lifetime. Fifty, you, just fifty more yards, man. It's right there. Uh -huh. It's right there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the the uh, there's no way I would have survived the Rob Stone hike on, in my condition currently. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think it's fair for all of us to say that at this point. <laughs> but it, what's funny is uh, uh, Mr. Bobby Pebbles himself. He sent me the itinerary because I was I was breaking his stones about finding stuff, right. and I was like, "You're going here, here, and here." I was like, yeah. "This is the list. If if you don't get." You know, eighty percent of this list, I'm be very disappointed in you. And I just said him like everything that's gonna that I would want to see in that area because we have to live vicariously through them. You know? Yeah, yeah. So I want to see some Coleonics pictures, man. 
Yeah. Yeah, right? So you know, I didn't even think of that. I think they found a dead gopher snake and uh uh some kind of some kind of spider, some kind of tarantula of nice. some sort. So well, I told Rob that uh you guys I not even knowing about you know you and 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 Owen having that running joke about the good luck charm. I told him, I was like, look, man, you're gonna find a hell of a lot more snakes because I'm not driving. <laughs> <laughs> so uh right on yeah justin's yeah. driving <laughs> oh okay nice nice that's yeah. good so that's good but, uh, <laughs> but yeah oh man yeah there uh i know that the pictures will come and it will be glorious and uh good for them man they're hitting yeah. some awesome spots that some awesome very diverse terrain yeah and uh actually uh nipper was supposed to go with us as well um, oh really yeah, he was, oh, he was yeah. he was he was in that mix too. So uh but obviously he he can't get over here. So uh Yeah. So we'll just have to talk he about could it. Could if he actually field. tried. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, that sounds like excuses, right? Yeah. People stow away in wheel wells all the time. <laughs> Look, just tell him to just tell him to hitch a ride somewhere, get to the Yucatan and he could just walk in through Del Rio. Perfect. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, I, I, I got to tell you, as excited as I would be about uh, Herp in Arizona, it would be fabulous, no doubt. But now that I'm uh, into monitors and geckos, man, I can't wait to get back to Australia. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, so, well, that's actually a perfect segue because Justin. That was here, on the list. That's on the list. So, so I want to hear about your Aki and, and your, and your Pulvarensis because it's dream species. And how you have everything set up because Justin is also building his Aki enclosure as we speak. Oh, so cool. it's it's built. I actually have it. I've had it plugged in the last couple of days to let all the soil and stuff really dry out that I put in there. Mm -hmm. Nice. Um, I have new bulbs coming tomorrow because the hot spot right now is only getting to about ninety, which is oh, yeah. ironically <laughs> way too cold. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> it's crazy, man. <laughs> so I got this set up. They're supposed to be coming Wednesday. So I'm gonna get oh, it set cool. up tomorrow. And what uh, what bulbs do you end up getting? Uh, I went with some of the daytime 50 watt mini halogens, and I got another because Bill Bradley sent me the ProSol fixture, and one of the UV bulbs had broke. So I got another UV bulb coming, and then I bought a three pack of the the mini halogen 50 watts for like 16 bucks or something like that. So, nice. Be careful yeah. of those mini 50s, man. Those mini 50s are stupid hot. Yeah, and I was talking to to Alan Stevens, who I'm getting the, the Ackies from, you know, asking him what sort of he uses and stuff. It's a 200 quart tub, so I'm I may have to play with it a little bit because maybe one of those 50 watts may be enough. I don't I don't know. We're gonna have to see. But well, so how far is it from top to bottom? Like from uh, from, from bulb to basket site. I mean, right now they've got probably six inches at least, more than that. Okay, because I have twelve inches on. They're not like with, right up there. Yeah, I have I have twelve inches on a fifty red for Brettles that I got, and it puts the basking basking site twelve inches exactly at ninety two. Okay, so, yeah. Then this yeah. is one of the red bulbs is what's in there now, and it just I don't know. I wanted something that cranked out a little more heat. So yeah, and I think the screen that is underneath the uh, the because I put the halogen on little legs because I didn't want it directly on the screen. And mm -hmm. even with the, the you know the little legs that come with it that you screw on, yeah. Even with those little tripod legs, the screen was like a hundred and like eighteen. So. Yeah, I'm I'm more worried about like 
literally melting the lid of this tub than I am the, the animals themselves. <laughs> they <laughs> yeah. live on the surface of the sun, apparently. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. I, I, yeah. My setup's pretty, I mean, I'm actually working on their, uh, I guess, adult cage at this point. Cause they, mm-hmm. they grew, they're, they're pretty much at that, that point. Um, I'm going to go probably five or six foot long, probably three feet high, mm-hmm. uh, probably two feet deep as, uh, uh, you know, uh, size wise for, for the adults. I think I'm, I'm going overkill, uh, especially, you know, but yeah, I feel um, like with, with monitors, man, it's like, I don't think there ever is such a thing as, as too much space. No, 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 no. You know, I got to warn you, man, this is a slippery slope. But <laughs> well, is, fortunately, uh... <laughs> I'm, I'm so strapped on space in my room that I literally am like, I don't This They may even have to be in the garage for a little while until I figure out exactly where it's going to be. Like, Buckle up, it's man, because you're going to be cutting cutting projects out and getting rid of this and that. <laughs> you're going to be like, yeah. Well, it's out, it's a childhood dream come true because I wanted Aggies as a kid so bad. I remember like the reptiles articles, you know, the magazine and stuff. Yeah. And, like, finally, I'm 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 old enough. I'm a big boy now. I got my own my own money, and well, I'm actually I'm I'm trading Stevens a Condor for some. So, um, yeah, yeah, we'll I, see. Uh, <laughs> for years i wanted them i I've, I've wanted them for a long time and rob is always sort of like uh not talk me out of them but uh you know the bugs and the the, the you know the the, the whole mm-hmm. thing that comes along with it because i've always been a snake guy you know what i mean it's it's always been yeah. snakes you know and taking care of snakes is way different i mean taking care of lizards is way different to, as you know justin you took care of geckos forever and phil you're you're a gecko guy so you know you guys oh, know, yeah. um, but when you've only had snakes for the past fifteen years, you kind of mm-hmm. forget. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> you know? like yep. uh, being sick all week. You can't like you gotta like get yourself some energy and go down and and feed them. And whereas the snakes, you can just sort of <laughs> let it run on autopilot. You know. Um, See, I've always liked varanids, though. Like, I've always liked monitors. I've always wanted monitors. It was just one yeah. of those things where it's like, I know I can't devote the space to them, which is the main yeah. one. But then there's the other smaller stuff, like you're talking about, like feeding, you know, bugs and then like hard boiled eggs and chicken or whatever else, you know, you end up throwing in the rotation and it's snakes spoil you. You know, it's, yeah. It's, oh, yeah. Yeah. 100%. But uh, you do get, I, I, I've gotten a lot of, uh, I don't know what the word is benefit, uh, you know, I don't know, enjoyment, um, Mm -hmm. keeping them because they're with those, they also have different, uh, you know, again, as you guys know, they, they'll come out, they notice you when you come down into the room, you know, they'll come and like, you know, check you out and you know, Mm -hmm. they're they're doing things with each other and in, in the environment. And yeah, man, it's just a whole nother thing. Now I thought the Ackies were cool. When I got the Kimberly's, that's a game changer, man. They are the coolest monitor, period. Oh man. Well, what's so the like what's cool. the what's the big difference? Like what what is it about them that, uh, that sets them apart so much? Is it a personality thing? Is it a yeah. behavior thing? Yes, yes, definitely. Like these the, you know, and and obviously who you get them from uh probably makes a difference as well. You know, I got mm-hmm. mine from uh, Mike at Mike's monitors and uh 
he kind of worked with them a lot. So like, you know, when I come down in the morning and I do the routine uh, with them, you know, kind of spray under their hide and whatnot to give them some place to go and get human if they, if they need be. But, uh, but I'll feed them right off the tongs and they just kind of like come right up to me. You know, they're like, they're like little dogs, man. (laughs) It's pretty pretty freaking cool. They're just like sitting in your hand as you're just hand feeding these things. And, uh, because there's three of them, they kind of like play with each. Yeah, it's it's wild, man. You know, they're like, they're, I don't know. They're, they're, yeah, Ugh, I'm dude. oddly nervous about it. I don't know why. Maybe it's because it's like so much more than than snakes as far as work goes. That I'm. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, but I'm I think just, it's, it's all like, relative. I'm, weird. I'm, I'm, I'm nervous about it. If anything, I've found that keeping lizards in general has made me a better snake keeper because I'm not so yes. lazy with them. You know. Yes. Yes, and, and it was, it's funny because like, just I don't know if it's the the weather change, <clears throat> or the maybe because I've been w- messing with them more often. But like, Anna Marie was sleeping over there tonight, and at like one in the morning, she hears. <laughs> she's like, "What was that?" I was like, "It's just lizards being lizards," you know. But like, you think about those sounds, and like, I can't tell you how many times I've been like, "Oh yeah, there's a lizard in there. I gotta I gotta <laughs> take care of that thing," <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, and and you know, I I I love the learning about new things and like um you know, being on trips with Rob as you guys know, the walking encyclopedia of reptile knowledge. Uh, 100%. <laughs> you know, it's he would nature. say he would say all these things names to me and I know them, but now they've sort of like connected, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They, they they've they've sort of become like carpets are in my brain now, you know, and uh um, I forget, you know, again, Rob, Rob is kind of known as this guy that does rhino rat snakes and Jamaican yeah. boas and he's kind of, you know, uh, weird Asian colubrids and stuff like that. But, uh, right. he's also, I mean, he's worked with all these that, you know, I'll be like, ah, did you work with it? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I work with them. I had those and you know, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah. God damn he, it, man. He, anytime. <laughs> yeah, he's in- a- any, anytime we talk about like the ether, oh. he is the ether. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Every time yeah. I talk to him on the phone, I learn or remember a new species. Yeah. Because he's like, oh, yeah, you know, uh, 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 Porthodium. And I'm like, what? He's like, you yeah. know, the so and so. And you just, that's it every time. You guys talk to him on the phone? <laughs> All the time. <laughs> not, not enough. Not enough. Yeah. 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 Well, see, it's like the problem is, is God bless him. You can't just have like a 10 minute conversation. You can't. Oh, yeah. It's like talking to Harlan. It's like gear up for a minimum of an hour. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we we usually do. Actually, we should probably make it a podcast, but we usually do a uh, we'll get together once a week and we kind of have notes on all the different podcasts we've listened to. And he'll have notes for me for, you know, NPR, what me or. Owen said wrong or you know whatever the case would be but uh yeah yeah you know we'll chat about that and you know uh that's sort of where I got the whole uh talking in definitives you know because uh mm-hmm. for a long time I would always always say like you know oh nobody works with the you know nobody that and it's and that's just not true man at 99 of the time there's somebody somewhere working with what you know something that you just don't know about it and Mm -hmm. you know going into the monitor world just shows me how 
partitioned our hobby is, you know? I mean, yeah. yeah. It, it snakes and then you have pythons and you're a boa person or you're a colubrid person or you're you know and then there's gecko people and you know monitor people and dwarf monitor people and <laughs> it's it's yeah. crazy man yeah, yeah. But, it's awesome though and it's awesome yeah. that we all even whether we've we've all either kept it keep it or plan to keep it yeah and i think that's what's awesome too is that you were like, oh man, I, I didn't know you had Kimberly's. Tell me all about them because now I'm fascinated and it just spreads, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you know, Rob's been trying, he's been telling me for a long time that like I'm not, you know, me and Rob know we've known each other for a long time. So, I mean, he knows my <laughs> darkest, deepest secrets and all, you know? So he, he knows how my brain works and stuff. And he's been telling me for a long time that I should cut the collection down to to something that's enjoyable rather than because i'm not doing it as a business yeah i have no plans to do it as a business so why am i treating it like i'm doing it as a business you know right, so right. that influence uh it took me a long time but I'm, I'm 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 slowly but surely kicking into that to where you know if he was the leader of a cult i'd be all about it i'd join in a heartbeat hell yeah I would, man <laughs> i would bring my own kool-aid <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Rob says there we're going go. on a ride on a comet. Hell yeah, man! <laughs> we're doing it. <laughs> Hail Satan, brother! Yeah, it's I love just, that guy. <laughs> it's just a yellow T-shirt with a moon pie in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. Yeah. Baird's moon pie. Yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. But no, I mean, I'm sure, Bert, to a degree, you feel the same way, but like the monitor thing coming back into like corns and morphs and stuff. Like it feels good to sort of be green at something. Yeah. 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 Like 100%. a completely new slate in a sense to where it's like, 100%. okay, now I like, you're, you know, you gotta, gotta learn all this stuff and pack as much information, but it's something exciting and something, something new to sort of dive into. Yeah. Me and me and Nipper are actually on a kick with uh, Aussie geckos too, man. There, there's some amazing gecko. You he know, I, is killing mm -hmm. it right now. Yes. He's yes. killing it. Yeah. Oh, he messaged me all the time. What have you done to me, Burke? What have you done? <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. Uh, but I got those, um, uh, you know, uh, um, the, uh, uh, what is it? The oscillated velvet geckos from uh, yeah. Dustin. Oh, they're pretty Odura. Cool. Odura, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, really cool. Um, I'm digging them so far. They're, they're, they're they're not as cool as monitors, you know, but uh, yeah. but still still very cool. It's it's cool to have something different, um, and uh, you know. I didn't variety. even know those existed until I started paying. You know, me and him started talking. And I started looking at his Instagram and stuff. Like I had no idea what those were. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Cool. And then you start looking, uh, and then you see all these geckos, and you're like. Mm -hmm. Holy shit. You know, because obviously I know knobtails, right? I know about sure, knobtails. Right. Everybody knows knobtails because uh, they're so different. But there's so many other species, you know, uh, yeah. just cool stuff, you know. And you, you saw the baby Strafurus that the nipper got? Yeah, yeah. Dude, like Crazy. stupid, stupid cute. Yeah, I've been wanting them since we've, you know, that, that's that stupid blackhead story stick thing that yeah. uh, <laughs> made them pull over and we found one of them. And I, I just was amazed by this thing, you know, and it's funny how when you're herping and 
and you, you don't know. I, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but when you herp, I'm sort of snake of course. focused, you know, it's like snake, 100%. snake, 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 snake. Blinders you know? on so, everything else. Yeah, you know, and uh, I think, Justin, you, you've sort of experienced this with the Coleonics in Texas, right? You know, I mean, yeah, you know, it's, it's uh, you, you learn to appreciate more than just that one thing that you're. It's like seeing the pictures. Yeah, those are cool. But then seeing one person is like, all right, that's freaking awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah, man, I'm 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 loving where I'm I'm going and uh, not having to deal with all the the drama that comes along with the morph shit and uh, mm-hmm. man, I, <laughs> no thanks, uh, I'm done yeah. with that. You know? Enjoying the animals for what they are and why you have them. Yeah, because I feel like I don't know. Do you guys? I don't know if you guys feel this way, but uh, I feel like I've learned a lot about carpet pythons but i feel that by keeping them in you know something that i can't really observe them or you know see see different behaviors and stuff i'm not really focusing on like seeing it right in front of my face on a mm-hmm. sure. basis. do you know what i mean sure. so because yeah, um, even if you check the tub and and I'm not bashing dra- drawers and tubs. I'm not. I own drawers and that stuff. But every t- even if you open the tub when you wake up, open it before you go to work, open it when you come home from work, and open it yeah. before you go to bed, you're you can't observe. Right. All you're doing is letting that snake go. What the hell was that? Yeah. Every time, you know, yeah. while it's in an enclosure, 100%. you can sit there and watch TV or read a book or do whatever, and you can pick up things. And that's I get that. Yeah, I, I think the way our hobby is geared, it's like you're geared to sort of, uh, you know, I, I've said this on NPR, it's like, and maybe we're sort of responsible for it in a way. It's like, but you're highlighting the breeding of something. So then therefore everybody feels in order to be anybody in the hobby, yeah. you sort of have to be a breeder, you know, and uh, I've sort of given that up and I'm like, well, m- my mark to the hobby is going to be podcasting, you know, <laughs> that's that's mm-hmm. my mark. You know, 100%. So, so it's not being a breeder producing the first this that the other you know but uh, but i'll still breed no doubt but just not on that level you know yeah i totally i totally get that so how did you set the velvets up uh right now real simple an exoterror uh sort of have uh sort of this like uh sand uh, uh coconut husk bark type of mix um yeah so same. he was uh he posted his topsoil with some swag and some sand yeah basically yeah yeah, yeah that's it looks great man yeah and then um you know just some cork barks and, and stuff in there for now uh it's a real simple setup i have them i actually have them in my snake room because uh you know it's it's uh like 83 ambient in there so just keeping them in there for now but uh they're nice. they're in like one of those real small uh exoterrors, you know. Yeah, yeah, cube. Yep. Perfect, man. Perfect. So. And dude, as they get bigger, man, and they get more velvety and the colors start coming out. Oh. <laughs> yeah, man. Oh man. I can't wait. Yeah. yeah. So I do have uh I do have um I did pick up a pair of uh underwoodosaurus milii. I think I <laughs> yeah. <that. laughs> Hell yeah, bro. <laughs> Yeah, where'd you yeah. where'd you get them from? I got them from April. Um, good, good. She, yeah, she was she was looking to move them out, and I I had talked to her maybe a year ago about getting them, 
getting something. The not tail, not tail. Well, yeah. Well, I'm going to tell you this is that I and Daytona, her and I talked, and I was going to buy them from her. And I, I honestly, when times come and go, and sometimes you can make a movie, sometimes you can't. And she called me and she's like, hey, do you still want these things? And I was like, I do, but I, I can't. I'm not going to lead you on. You know, I, right. I, I can't do it right now. And she's like, sure. okay. I said, look, when the time comes, if you still got them, great. If you don't, no hard feelings, whatever. And I'm right. so happy that you got those lizards because <laughs> those ones that she had are such choice, flawless specimens. Yeah. It, 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 it legit, like, I'm so happy that you got those, <laughs> those geckos. And they're not yeah. just some normal, you know, barker. Right. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's so. awesome. Yeah, I'm looking forward to them too. So, Dude, wait until you're literally laying in bed. And like mm-hmm. you'll you'll sit there and like you'll do you know when you're laying in bed you do one of these and like you kind of move to the side because you're watching TV or whatever you'll right. do that and you'll catch the glare off of their eye that's reflecting off of something a nightlight the TV whatever and then you'll be like what the hell is that and you'll go over and they'll just be sitting there smiling like <laughs> just like where's my bug because yeah. like, their hey, eyes hey, are bitch. so yeah their eyes are so giant so reflective. Like literally across the room, and every time you open the drawer, they're just smiling. Hey, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. yeah, great geckos, man. Great. I bought. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I've got a, a. I bought a pair of babies from mm-hmm. Leland Ward at DW Geckos two years ago in Daytona, and he's like, "Look, man, you know how this goes. It, to me, it looks like a pair." I was like, "Well, I don't, I don't want to assume because they're babies, and I don't know anything about these. Are my first Barkers," and he's like, "Well." This one definitely looks like it's going to be hypo. I'll tell you that. And he wasn't wrong. It turned out to be hypo. And then the other one shed, and it's also hypo. And they're oh, both shit. girls. Oh shit! Damn. So and I didn't even I didn't even want hypo. I wanted the friggin' normal ones. So I wound up buying a, a random, uh, like yearling male that looks normal. So hopefully I'll get something fun out of it next year. Oh, cool. But dude, I'm so happy you got those geckos. Yeah, my dream. Knobtail is Amy. I I, I definitely uh, will have them at some point. Uh, uh, well, dude, Asper, you know, Doc, Doc Julander, like, yeah. yeah, it's just a phone call, man, for you, you know? Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I, uh, I, I just, uh, I got uh, pygmies from him coming at some point. Uh, oh, cool. nice, very cool. Yeah, yeah. Let let him get them started. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you do all the legwork. Yeah, yeah. Doc, Doc. I'm not gonna be able to take them for at least five to six months. <laughs> yeah. My goal is to sort of have like uh, I have three rooms basically at this point that I'm sort of gonna build upon and have a lizard room, uh, and then sort of have a, a, a cold room and a warm room, and have naturalistic enclosures so it almost looks like zoo type level stuff sure. to where you know i can just go and enjoy these animals you know cut them down to to, to manageable sizes and well the cool thing with i guess with the bugs and stuff is you can i'd much rather breed bugs than mice so yeah 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 i just yeah i'd probably die from asthma if i had to deal with mice <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah but uh so are you doing roaches and crickets or just crickets? Um, no, I do. I do the roaches. Um, I thought that crickets, I would have a hard never, never figured out crickets. I, I was crickets always yeah. were tough for whatever reason to bring. Yeah, I'd rather just like buy produced. them. Yeah. Like keeping them and breeding them and stuff. Yeah. yeah that's what yeah. I hear. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I swear, you know, I, I was going to the local 
Petco or whatever to get the cricket. And every time I go, they don't have them. So I just went online and I think I, I rainbow mealworms was the place mm-hmm. that I was getting the crickets yeah. from, but, uh, dubia roaches I get from, uh, dubia roaches.com and mm-hmm. they come once a week. You're on a subscription. It's like, Oh, nice. Yeah. You don't even have to worry I'm, about ordering it. You just, it just comes, yeah. you know, I'm planning on, on getting another colony established. <laughs> At some point. Yeah, I'm trying to figure that out. You know, trying to figure they're, out. How they're to do really that. easy. Yeah, pretty pretty straight ahead. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Let me uh, let going. me know. Let me know how the Odora do with those roaches, because uh, dude, I stopped doing them because the geckos. I don't know if it's they're st- stupid or what, but like those roaches, they burrow in the sand and that's it. Mm-hmm. They're gone forever. So uh, that's the only downside to dubia is yeah, they disappear. So unless I'm tweezer feeding the roach, I just stick the crickets because it's just it's I, I know that they're not getting, it, you know. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like with the monitors a lot, I use like uh I'll put the dubia in a cup. Yeah, and I'll just go down and I'll feed out of the cup and then I take the cup out and it's pretty, yeah, pretty straight ahead. I don't have to worry about that. But uh yeah, I haven't tried to feed the um that's the reason I got uh, crickets was because of the geckos. So I haven't tried okay. to feed them dope dubia yet, but uh, I'll yeah. keep that in mind. That's good to know. Yeah. Cause you'll, you'll put them in there and you'll be like, Oh man, he ate all of them. Awesome. He didn't eat any of them. They're just in the dirt. Yeah. They bury themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Eric uh, makes a good point. I've heard that from, uh, from quite a few people that mm-hmm. insects can give you allergies too. So I, yeah, I, I, I do wear a mask. I, I do. <laughs> I got sensitized to dubias when I was breeding them. So I usually wear when I was wearing a face mask anytime I was cleaning them because that dust and stuff would just really kick my ass. Oh, yeah. It's one of the reasons why I've sort of been reluctant about diving into breeding them. Like I want, mm-hmm. I, you know, the the idea of it is great, but like, you know, having them come once a week and you keep them in a container and then feed them off. And, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's, that's easy. Yeah. If that's, yeah. if that's working, do that. But yeah, just breeding, like you have to just make sure you're, you're sort of keeping them clean regularly instead of doing like one massive cleaning, you know, once a month or whatever. Cause gotcha. it just, once the, once the dust and stuff gets going and it just, just I'm not allergic to really anything except for pollen in the spring, but that, that dust from those dubias, man, it really, there was one day where I like I, I could feel like my throat closing up. It was that bad. It was wow. Yeah, wow. and I've never had a reaction like that before. I went and popped a Benadryl and just <laughs> took a nap. Scary. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. <clears throat> yeah, and I'll tell you too is when you're breeding roaches specifically, and then you make a mistake and you back up or your elbow whacks the container on the ground, <laughs> and oh, you're, you're just just burn the house. Oh God! Just burn the house down. It's like, so like I, I, I only, I, I, I don't do it anymore because the girl doesn't like roaches. I'll respect that. Um, right. I mean, if I do, it's like four or five, you know, that I just give us like treats, or whatever. But when I had like hundreds and hundreds of roaches, I only, I only kept stuff that couldn't climb because how many times I've knocked that. Mm-hmm. thing over <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. So. i had red runners for a little while too miguel's talking about a red runner colony and those are those are great and all for movement especially with like tarantulas and stuff but man breeding those things was a real pain yeah yeah 
I, I thought about doing like some of the native Florida roaches and stuff that like live in like the palmetto heads and stuff. That way, God forbid they did get loose, it's totally native. But they need the palmetto to survive in terms of the, the, ah. the eating the wax on the leaves and whatever else. And I was like, I'm not going to, it's not going to work. It's not worth it. I'll just buy crickets. Right. <laughs> so. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of where I'm at at the moment. And I don't see myself getting too crazy to where, you know, I'd have to yeah. breed like some enormous collection of roaches. <laughs> sure. At least I hope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The worst was I had a good little colony of Malagasy giants, right? The hissers. Right. And at the time I was paying like 50 cents a piece for adults. So, and I did the, the Vaseline around the rim so they couldn't climb out. And you feed them whatever you got laying around the house. And I had them and I had them and I had them at the time. I had a girlfriend who was had no idea. And I guess she she like walked in the house when I had like the tub on the sink. And she's like, what is that? And like, that was the end of it. And I got rid of them. And then a week later, they were banned in Florida. And oh, they, were se- they were selling for like $10 an adult. Oh, wow. And I was like, oh, I could have just sold them all off and let it be someone made else's millions <laughs> yeah well not millions i could have made a couple hundred bucks but <laughs> oh well such yeah. is life but, so oh. how were your aggies when you first got them were they pretty skittish or because you got those from mike too no i got them from mike brogna um oh that's uh, right. uh yeah yeah i guess so they hit a lot you know, took them a couple couple weeks to sort of get uh, to actually see them. You know, I was like, mm-hmm. I, I was, I was kind of disappointed. You know, like wow, you know, it's thought these get were a monitor is supposed to be out. You know, enjoy <laughs> it. You know, it's like I don't even see the damn thing. What the hell? You know. And then I guess once they get confidence, uh, they come out. And, uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, come to the West Coast, have a few laughs. <laughs>, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't but, know. That's uh, what I'm, I'm most excited about. I think is sort of that that building the relationship and trust with them and yes, in an experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. What what does Mike call it? The you're the food monkey, you know. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> they they become a relationship with the food monkey. Um, Bring me my arthropod food monkey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh yeah, it's good stuff. He's uh. Yeah, I, I I love them, man. It's it's really cool, really really cool. I think if I had space, probably the only big monitor, well, besides a Perenni, you know, if, yeah. if that that ever was what I, you know could be. But uh, Mertens are 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 pretty amazing, and I bet you you have that. Uh, you know, you could be amazed for hours watching them swim, sure. or, you know, all that stuff. But uh, I, I just I like the Tristis and the Roughnecks a lot. Yeah, yeah, they're cool, no doubt. Dude, Pelborensis, Pelborensis yeah. will forever be my favorite. So, I love the fact that that's a that's a that's a Brettles python in a monitor. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, they look exactly like a Brettles python in a yeah. monitor. But Rob swears to me that Kimberleys are way better. He he promises me I'm gonna go yeah. with them. You know, yeah. I, I I'm gonna go and with it. That's what I've heard is that that the the, the Pilbaras are more of your display. Yeah. Well as the Kimberleys you can interact with. 
Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if you get a Pilbara, if you get a Pilbara to sit on your hand, you're going to have 36 seconds of awesomeness and then it's gone. You yeah. know? Yeah. So, yeah. hey, there he is. What's hey, going on? Hey, what's up? Hey, you Eric. I'm on. Me and <laughs> Phil. How are we all going? Excellent. Hello, hello. It's Monday. Mate, I hope you like I hope you like cleaning fucking gecko euros off glass if you got our jury and exit there. <laughs> oh boy. Okay. Yeah, we'll live and learn, man. I don't know. Like <laughs> <laughs> fucking horrific for that. That is so bad for that. But they're beautiful animals and mate, they, they look the best as juveniles. Right. Oh Juro look the best as juveniles. They only get worse as they get bigger. So, so they're like the know. ball pythons of geckos. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I suppose. I suppose they're bloody gorgeous animals, though. and there's there's a heap of undescribed species in them as well. So there's a there's a whole swag of shit that needs to be sorted out with them. But you know they're, they're pretty awesome animals, that's for sure. And you know that a lot of the diplodactylid geckos will take things other than insects as well. So um, you know experiment with jams and, and saps and things like that. There's a there's a pretty interesting paper by Angus McNabb on um, them eating flower uh, eating flower buds and shit like that. Um, <clears throat> and and plant saps and things like that. So they, they get a lot of the sugars from that. Particularly in the spring. I'm actually huh. I'm glad that, that Scott's here because and we're talking about these these diplos, right? So why is a Ditella called a Ditella? Am, am I saying that correctly? Ditella is the correct term. I have no yes. idea where the name comes from. No one um, does. No Australian. Everyone, every, honestly, yeah. everyone refers to them over here as Gohara. Okay. Most people refer to them as Gohara over here. Um, okay. Uh, you know, so some people call them Ditellas. It's. It's an older name. I think it may have an origin in a noise or something along those lines, but I don't remember them really making any sort of vocalization. Um, sometimes they'll scream a little bit when you pick them up, um, but Same. a whole heap of geckos will do that as well. So. Yeah, because I mean, hey, I was, I've, been, I've been looking. Yeah, there, there he is. Yes, the gecko man himself, right? <laughs> yeah, I've been, I've been looking for Variegata for. Years now, ever since I really got into geckos, obviously I don't think there's any stateside. If someone's listening and has them, please let me know. But I always see the name Detella, and no one can tell me why. So maybe it's just one of those things. Yeah, it's certainly been around for a long time. Um, next time I'm talking to Hal Cogger, I'll see if he knows the origin of it. But um, I certainly don't. I certainly don't know, and I don't remember seeing it. Um, but I have I have wondered about the origin of the name before. So, nice. um, but they're, they're, they're interesting geckos. I mean, they're, they're very uh, fecund. I mean, I, I hate to think how many clutches a year something like some of those larger gohara would have. Um, but also, too, I mean, they're, they're such a taxonomic mess as well. I remember when I first started looking at um, gohara. There was about 14 species. I think there's over 50 now in Australia alone. Wow. Holy shit. Jeez. You know, and there's a couple of big complexes that haven't really been 
been hit yet in regards to that. So that number's only going to go up. Um, your Saxa coal line ones, it seems that just about every different rocky hill um, in each different drainage has got their own Saxa coal line to hire on it. You know, and you know, one species turns into eight. It's, it's pretty insane. Yeah, I, I just think it's crazy how you have like some of the giant ones that come out of Halmahara and then you have something as small as Variegata. Like that doesn't make sense. Like it, it doesn't feel right. But what do I know? Variegata is a Variegata is a medium sized animal. Um, okay. The Nana is is much smaller again. Um, Monuta is small. Montinium is small. Uh, Paranana is small. Uh, and then you've got things like um, Australis. Australis is really large. Coira is huge. Coira has got a snout vent length of 127 millimetres. So that's, wow. um, what's that, four to five inches or so. Um, yeah. in the thing. And then add a tail onto that. Um, you know, they're a similar size to our oh, Eurotyronite. Um, yeah. And they're fast. God, they're quick. Um, hard-shelled egg layers, two, two per clutch. Um, and, yeah, they, but they don't uh, – hemidactylus are better breeders. So, you know, wherever you get hemidactylus, the hemidactylus eventually push the um, the gohara out. But if you get rid of the hemidactylus off your property, the gohara come back. So we've got gohara dubia on our place at home because we nice. don't have frenatus. That's awesome. You know, I, I remove the Phrenatus when I find them. So, um, just because I prefer to see native geckos running around on my walls as opposed to, you know, but we have tyrons on our walls at home and we also have um, Nebulifera robusta, the uh, robust velvet geckos as well. Very cool. Hmm. And, and obviously all those, all those, uh, uh, you know, those house geckos, the, all the invasive stuff, you keep all them, right? Just for scenting and such? Nah, 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 nah. Right. I, no, I'll get rid of them. Fair enough. They just, they just go. Because I, I don't want to introduce a pathogen from a gecko into my collection if I can avoid it. What point, yeah. What's the point of having quarantine if you're just going to bypass it and, and, and put bloody wild geckos into your, into your collection? Yeah, it makes, you know? sense. So, makes sense. I mean, freezing only does so much. So, um, you know, uh, <laughs> taking tails off maybe and... and Mushing up a tail and, and all the rest of it, that's a that's a, a viable thing. But I mean, at the end of the day, I, half the time, to be honest, I, I just force feed these days. It's quicker, quicker and easier, and I don't have to muck around. I just force it down straight and then move on to the next one. So, nice. But yeah. Anywho, so what else might happen? Nothing. We're we're uh, we're we have a laundry list of stuff to get through tonight, and I love it. We're 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 having really good departures. It's <laughs> fucking great. How's my how's my wells eye, Scott? Yeah. Next question. Next question. How's it, they're, not, they're, not, they're not doing great. They're not doing oh, really? great. We lost quite a few. Yeah, we lost quite a few. Of them. I made a rookie error. Um, and so I, I used to raise a lot of my baby death adders. Uh, we used to raise them in an incubator and so we just had the baby tubs in the incubator and raise them up that way so they had constant heat all the time. Um, note to self, that's how we'll raise world's eye from now on um, because they were 
we were using a heat cable and the heat cable in the room gets turned off. Um, for a summary of 14 hours a day, the heat cable's off and then the rest of the time the heat cable's on. So they, um, it's more of a simulation of a, a realistic uh, thing where you've got things get cold at night and then they, they warm up during the day. Um, What's the temperature? It, uh, so the temperature goes from... Uh, it's winter, so it was a bit longer. It's a bit higher than I thought it was going to be. It still sit within the realm of what the temperatures were in the Pilbara. Um, but basically what happened was is they got too cold, um, and then by getting too cold, then we had some issues. They just didn't want to... Um, they weren't metabolising their food correctly, and yeah, one thing went to another. We lost a few of them. But, well, it is what it is. Learn for the next time. You know, at the end of the day, as embarrassing as it is, um, you're better off learning from your mistakes and explaining what they are so someone else potentially doesn't make the same stupid mistake you make. So, 100%. Um, 100%. So, but anyway, it is what it is. Uh, they're, they're on my they're on my uh, my disappointing list now and, and once I figured out what the hell I was doing wrong I fixed it straight away and when I fixed it no more problems it's just like yep, yep you moron <laughs> why, why did you, how, how did you not figure this out so earlier but anyway so, uh, yeah so, uh, but yeah other than that heads down bums up um, working on the second edition of the Snakes of Australia book uh, at the moment and, and doing some other things. So we're always busy. Cool. Hell yeah, brother. Trying to do some herping. Yeah. Jealous well. of that. <laughs> I am jealous right. of that. Um, uh, we, um, me and Ricardo are in together and they're, they're looking good. So. They're curled up and then they're as far apart from each other in the enclosure as they can. You know, then they're curled up again. So, you know, fingers, arms, legs, <laughs> everything crossed. You know, hopefully. But um, I was talking to a couple of blokes in WA. He said that the WA ones are mating at the moment as well. So, um, with a bit of luck, we might we might smash out some Imbricata. Um Nice. So yeah. close. <laughs> we'll say, we'll say. Um, but yeah, and then yeah, trying to get out in the scrub and safety thing. Uh, you were saying before about targeting geckos and stuff like that when you come out, Eric. Pick the weirdest endemics that you can find, target those ones, and everything else will come along as bycatch. So. <laughs> You know, and that's honestly, that's how we tend to hurt. So, you know, we, we want to go look at a, you know, there'll be a weird skink or a weird gecko or something like that that lives on one hill. We'll go hurt that hill. That's where we'll go looking. Because at the end of the day, you'll come across your blackheads and your, your carpets and your children's and your spotters, the lapids and all the rest of it. You'll come across those when you're on those hills looking for that gecko. So it's just win, win, win. So it's kind of like what we did with the Owen Pelly. You know, shoot for the one that you're exactly. not going to find. <laughs> oh, yeah, I suppose. I mean, <laughs> that Owen Pelly still fucking hurts. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. 
All happy for you. All happy for you. We're going that early. Yeah. Yeah, Nipper, Nipper wouldn't. Uh, no, if I if it was just me that was sick, it wouldn't be a problem. But my father-in-law and my mom is not doing too good, so uh, I couldn't leave my wife. Yeah, family you know first, I mean? mate. Yeah, yeah. So family I first. Do, family I do think it's funny because right around the same time that it was that Nipper knew he wasn't coming to the states, that's yeah. when all these geckos started appearing. <laughs> so he's he's definitely filling some kind of void. <laughs> yeah. I had I think I told him uh I was getting the ones from Dustin and I was like check these out and then next thing you know he's like oh well look what we have and he's sending me all these pictures and he's like oh I didn't even know these exist. So then there's the uh oh who the 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 book with uh it's like the ebook i can't think of the guy's name um he does a gecko one a dragon Daddy one Brown. no 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 Daddy uh, Brown. it's no 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 it's like um it's like a picture book more so oh, yeah 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 that's it that's it um Gunther. yeah so I, I i started to take sending him pictures of these different geckos in australia and he's just like what the hell <laughs> and then next thing you know he's like oh we got them here and he, <laughs> son of a bitch yeah is a um an amazing photographer so he's a, a really nice bloke um yeah he lives about 45 minutes from my place so yeah he's a he's good day amazing turtle photographer so um but he's, he's done a heap of rock work as well. Um, that's what he used to do. He used to do a lot of concreting and rock work and stuff like that in zoos and aquariums and things like that all around the place. He was oh. one of the best concrete, concrete artists out there. Um, and if you ever get to Riversley, the toilets at Riversley that don't look like toilets, they just look like mounds of limestone in, in the National Park, they were built by Gunter. Oh, no shit. Out there. So he, was, he actually had the contract to build them. And you go into them, it's like going to a toilet in a cave. It's crazy. So, yeah. Would that be where the uh, first, well, not the first, but River River Salensis, is I'm saying that right? Monty Python's River Salensis is that's yeah. where it came from. The River fossil deposits is where that came from. Very so good. it's now Marillia, I believe, is now the, the, yeah. where they've been moved back into under the corn snake, um, they're going to become the that was... species. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, it, I mean, all the ones we have over here seem to be morphed as well. So, um, and there's lots of them. Panthrovis uh, gatatus hyperi. <laughs> no way. <laughs> oh. Correction, hyperi. savvy. Oh, for real, yeah. If you're going to insult me, you might as well insult me properly. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Nah, look, it's, 
unfortunately, their numbers are going up. We've got Hemi Dactylus Garnotti's um, started to increase in numbers as well. So, um, all these disappointing the things happen. No, Garnotti. It's a, another species. It's, it's known as the fox gecko. Uh, so if you, you Google fox gecko or Hemidactylus Garnotti, um, it'll come up. They're, they're quite different. Um, different artists, but they do exactly the same thing and they shouldn't be here. So, um, you know, I'd much rather see, you know, the tellers running around and, and oh, you're running around people's house as opposed to hemidactylus. So, um, but, you know, the, the hemidactylus seem to have a really strong reliance on uh, humans. So, as soon as the humans move out of an area, well, there's no humans there anymore. Um, the hemidactylus disappear within about 20 years. They don't seem to be able to survive in the in the bush. They can only survive. Oh, yeah, uh, I'm looking at them now. Yeah, it's very yeah, very yeah. interesting. Hmm. I mean, like no, I, yeah, use, I, I can't. I can't turkey is here in the great for sending. It's it's funny you mention that because like we'll. We'll go out in the glades, and the only place you'll find hemidactylus, like any any kind of invasive gecko, is on a structure. You'll never find them in the yep. cane fields or in the wetlands or anything. It's only on like the side of a pump house or an agricultural. Yeah, building. that's how they are here. Yeah, apartment complexes and stuff. Certain apartment yeah. complexes around town have them. Some don't. It's they're they're like very pocketed here, at least. So you'll see hemidactylus. You know, you, if you're looking on trees and stuff like that around human habitation, you'll see hemidactylus on them. You'll watch on hemidactylus all the time on that sort of on on natural cover. But it's only adjacent to structure. You you don't tend to get them out. You don't tend to walk out in the middle of the bush and and see them. Um, the one place that I have seen, I, I did see a lot of hemidactylus out in the bush. Was not in Australia at all. It was in Samoa. So in Samoa, middle of the rainforest in Samoa, eye shining in there at night. I was looking for Kandoya, um, arguing with the locals that they have snakes there because the, the locals are very happy to say that they don't have any snakes on the island. Um, but, you know, they, they do, obviously. And I, I was hoping to find them. And I never found them, but I found a shitload of hemidactylus in the rainforest. It's the only place I've ever seen hemidactylus away from sort of main structure of Very interesting. Very, very interesting. So you guys mentioned uh, Hal Cogger earlier. There's, if, if anyone hasn't checked out the most recent issue of Herpeticulture Magazine, I did an interview with him, which is in that issue. Yeah. Looks amazing. Yes, yes, she did. Um, yeah. Hal's a, you know, lucky enough for being a bit of a family friend these days, and, and yeah, I did an interview with him, and, and it was a, a really good interview. Um, and obviously, they, they had a lot of fun doing it too. So, um, but you know, Hal's one of those people. I mean, he, he talked about stories, oh, you know, um, the stories that he's got going out and helping with people like you know, Eric Worrell. And, um, you know, Roy McKay and yeah, 
lots and lots of people, lots of other herpers in Australia that he's been out with and also around the world. So um, chasing critters across the globe, just a lot of fun. Yeah. Legitimately an inspiration. It's very, it's very cool that that Ty could could get that interview with him, and that you guys are such good friends. Like that's super cool, man. Super, super. Yeah, cool. Ty's Ty's been killing it on the articles lately. Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 for sure, sure. She, she was yeah. like, "Can I send you some stuff?" <laughs> of course you can. I'm like, if you say no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, she's sending you some good stuff. Uh, you know, you you got to keep hitting her up about more topics. You know. I'm, I'm sure that she'll. I'm sure that she'll do more for you. I mean, obviously she's um, preparing to, to take a bit of a break at the moment with some medical yeah. stuff. But um, you know, I'm sure if you hear her up, I'm sure, sure she'll say, "Yeah, okay, I'll do something about this, something about this." So, um, so yeah, no, it's, it's good. And lots of different articles and all the rest of it. It's, it's always good. That that little magazine of yours that um, that you guys put out is is really a really fantastic little piece of literature out there and the fact that it's really available and shareable, it's a, it's a great thing. I, it'd be really good to see, you know, maybe the uh, some of the NPR guys could get together, Eric, and, and write down the carpet cliff notes that you've got on the webpage. Maybe you can start putting it out and turn it into an article or something like that and give people a bit of a rundown on some of these things. It wouldn't be that hard of a thing to do, but might make it a bit easier to find it and cite it down the track. Well, it's funny you say that. I'm actually working on that. Oh, good work. Yeah, we did like Morelia specific pages for for a while. Um, just talking about some of the different lines and then some of the, um, the subspecies and stuff too. But we haven't had one in there in a while. So it'd be good to talk about some of the origins of some things yeah. that maybe some of the. You know, stuff that used to be around that isn't around now, and yeah, and you know, that I mean, that, that'd be a, a really interesting question in regard to some of the imports and, and things like that. Uh, that used to be around, that used to be relatively freely available. Yeah, yeah. there's a there's a line of coastal carpet pythons that was called the Sylvester line, and they were beautiful, beautiful, beautiful snakes. Um, you know, and uh, for whatever reason, that line, uh, the, the, they would get uh, these tumors. So the line just kind of disappeared. But yeah, if you're working with stuff from Nick or Michael Pinnell or stuff like that, it's probably somewhere it's mixed in there. But uh, really, really amazing coastal carpets. So was the the issue with it uh, just a, a bad line, or was it there? Was it an inbreeding thing, or or what? I I don't I, I can't imagine it was an inbreeding thing because they were, you know, they really weren't bred all that often. But uh, I think it was just that line, right? just the genetics, yeah. I guess. You know? it just didn't work. So. Yeah. Well, oh, sometimes things aren't that compatible, and. Yeah, you know, it's, it's the interesting thing about you know having animals in in captivity. You know, we're we're arbitrarily selecting them to breed together, um, and so we're we're making the decisions for the animals, as so to speak. And sometimes those those animals shouldn't get past you know juvenile eggs. You know, that you know they they may not be 
because they know how to, to force the food down their throat. So they get to adult size. But realistically, they should have never got to adult size. They should have been food for a mulga snake or a lace monitor or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if that's what happens with some of the, the issues that you see in some of the more domesticated species, I suppose, for lack of a better term, that are out there. You see that in some ball pythons are, are a, a little bit average and some of the anteres are morphs are a little bit average um, where they there's something, something not necessarily quite right with them. It's not quite to a point that it's like a a jag gene or, or something like that where there's a uh, it's a deleterious effect from the gene but it's um, it just means the animal's a little bit weaker and it's not quite right and that means you've got to outcross it or you've got to do this or you've got to do that to try and strengthen it or realistically that animal will just die in the wild you yeah. be able to. The, the granite carpet was like that you know they they, they inbred the shit out of that which is crazy because it's the only carpet python you can get in the u.s that has you could get wild carpet pythons and they inbred it <laughs> so go figure so do you see the issues with granites now that you did when you first when you first saw them or are they is it is it bred out of them so to speak or, or what uh, yeah, outcrossing has is, is fixed it. Uh, as opposed to in the early days, you would hatch out granites that had no eyeballs and did the jag wobble, and you know they would have kinks and just just a, they were just a train wreck. And uh, that didn't make the value go up. <laughs> I think that's why they didn't catch on. To be honest with you, I think like people just you know at the time the drama the jag was going on and. You know, some breeders didn't uh, share that information, and then they sort of said that it can be outbred. Which, to fair, to fair enough. I mean, at the time, you can look at it back now and say, "Well, you should have known." Yeah, I guess so. After you know, twenty plus years or whatever. But uh, I don't know if the snake's coming out and it's wobbling like that. You know, there's probably something wrong. You know. Yeah, but you, you still got guys trying to make supers. You know, like come on, man. Like we know what happens. Yeah, like, no, but they're going to be the one to do it. Greatest thing I ever did was get rid of Jags, man. That was the the best move I ever made. I held on to them for so long just because I thought I had to have them. And as soon as I got rid of them, it's just such a joy not to open, see a carpet or something that's not going like, you know, it's, uh, we never kept Jags. I think, I think you and I in the early days actually had a bit of a, a back and forth on that, Eric. When I, was, I spoke to you about Jags, said, yeah. I'll, I'll never keep them. Because for me, it's just, that's my line in the sand there. Yeah. They're a beautiful animal. I appreciate them. And I don't, I don't brag on anyone that wants to keep them. But for me, it's something that I just couldn't, couldn't do. Uh, um, I, think, I, I, I think wonder that... if the, I know there's some issues with zebras as well, isn't there? Some of the zebras have a, a bit of a wobble to them at times, or they, you know, you breed them two together and then you end up getting the, well, the club tails in the, um, in the, so yeah, the zebra. Do, if you cross a zebra with a granite, do you get issues with No. No, they're fine. Actually, zebra granites are probably the most vicious carpet uh, ever. <laughs> they're evil. <laughs> um, so what happens if you do a super... What happens if you breed those together and get like the super form of both of them? Um, so the problem is... 
Well, yeah, I think the issue is the super zebra, right? Because when you start mixing yeah. in other genes with the super zebras, where you get some problems, and a lot of those eggs don't hatch. So very rarely do you see like these combos of super zebras. And again, years ago, it wasn't really known because nobody really did these combos, you know. But I mean, ha there's two people that I know of that have albino super zebras. And again, it's this holding on to hope that somehow. You know, I mean, they should have been produced by now, right? Uh, you know, I, I don't know. At zebra, the just straight zebra, there's no issues. It's the super that's the problem. And funny enough, the same thing happens in the blood pythons, right? You got the batik. There's no problems with the batik. But when you breed a batik to a batik, you get a patternless snake that has a kink in the tail. So, you know, and, and the, the, the blood python people shy away from making super batiks. Uh, they'll, they'll breed batiks, but they'll, they'll do it to combos to other stuff. So is there a, is there a jag version of a, in, in the bloods as well? I'm sure there probably is. <laughs> I, I, I don't think that there's one that's necessarily known out there right now but uh yeah i feel like it's also a, a concept of the animal itself has a different locomotion yeah. you know what i mean and so even yeah. so like what we may see uh, uh, a curtis like twitching its head or whatever kind of acting like a rhino viper we assume it's just twitching its head because it had an itch but that could be a gene but because it's not a carpet that's constantly on the move we're not seeing it right. do backflips right yeah, you know, the funny thing about the jack yeah, thing, too, is, is, is like some of them aren't that bad. Like, I think what held me on to it for so long is that some like I have a tiger jag that, that has no issues at all. But yeah. once you start breeding them, then you start seeing these things hatch out of eggs and you're like, what is this train wreck? Like, what? What? that? You know, yeah. <laughs> no, this is not. Yeah, good. I know some people, have, you know, they've got animals that. You know, it's a stress-related response, isn't it, in the, in, for a lot of them. Yeah. They don't start to, um, or an excitement-related response maybe might be a better phrase because some of them will only show up when they're being fed or when they're being bred or when they're handled excessively. And all of the other times, it's like a perfectly normal, you know, stunningly beautiful snake. Um, and it's the same thing. Isn't that the same thing with some of the spider balls as well, isn't it, the... The color mutation is fairly similar. They both have neurological yeah. issues that are, are linked to it. And yeah. it's the same thing with some yeah. of the spiders. Some of the spiders apparently don't have the massive, massive wobbles and things like that. And then there's the, um, there's one in leopard geckos as well. The, Enigma, um, I think it is. Enigma, yeah. that's the one. Yeah. 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 So, also and they all retics. seem to have that same thing. Sorry, what was that? There's one in retex too called the Jag. That has the same gene. Yeah. Really? Yeah. So this snake right here is pro probably, I dare I say it, my f my favorite carpet in the whole carpet group. It's right. a it's a normal fucking jag from Billy Hunt, and it is has no wobble, no backflip. It doesn't stress. It is just the meanest snake I've ever owned. And I that's I, I, from motherfucking Billy Hunt. <laughs> it's because it's from mother like like look right here like this is like oh, yeah. yeah just ready to rock and roll and i took these pictures because he just shed and like it's just it's a screaming animal it's gorgeous and it's flawless in every way except for the fact that it's a psychopath 
<laughs> Dude, those those red jags that I produced, uh, what I don't know, last year or the year before, or whatever. That, yeah. I mean, just uh, amazing animals. They're just 100%. stunning. They, like the they're white with orange and red. I mean, they're crazy. Yeah. And it hurt my soul, but I I couldn't do it. I had to get rid of them. Yeah. I get it, man. I think so. As you go along, too, you want less and less animals as well. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we all go through phases, stuff like that, where we're like, not necessarily want to get rid of everything, but you sit there and go, oh, I don't want that much all the time. And it becomes a chore. You know, it's, stuff becomes a chore. You love it, but it's still a chore at the yeah. end of the day. Um, yeah. Yep. So, I, I suppose. I like to see how the hobby is sort of changing. I think it's changing for the better in a lot of ways. But, you know, you don't necessarily have to have lots of animals. You, you can have less animals, but if you keep them really well, people are really excited about it. And uh, I think that's where the bioactivity thing is, is going. People, people would rather have smaller amount of enclosures, but do them up in a, in a way that's aesthetically pleasing. So, not only do you have a beautiful animal, but you also have a beautiful furniture piece as well. Um, yeah. You know, and, 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 and let's be real too: is I, I clean less because I don't have to. <laughs> you know what I mean? Let, let's let's be real here. <laughs> Let those bugs do their work. <laughs> yeah. See, I'm I'm messed up because I have so many arid species that. Well, most of them eat the isopods. That's the first problem. And then I put all these springtails in and try and keep the soil as, as hydrated as I can. And then after four or five days, I come to a water bowl full of uh, springtails. It's like, so I got to pour the water bowl out, let them go wherever they go, and then start from scratch. So I'm still got to figure out that arid bioactive thing. Yeah, that's tough. That's tough. I think so. Maybe the other thing is as well is that the size of the enclosures as well. Um, obviously, the, the the bigger the uh, the bigger the enclosure, the more substrate you can have. The deeper the substrate can be, the more activity that you can have going on in there. The more cleanup crew, etc., that's in there, the better it is. And I think that's the problem: is that people have, have got this idea that a four foot by two foot enclosure is something suitable to have two snakes in. Well, it's okay to have two snakes, two large snakes in, a, in that size enclosure if you're always cleaning it out. But if you try and do that up as a bioactive setup for anything larger than something that's about two feet long, you're really going to struggle to be able to maintain um, a reasonable balance for what's inside that enclosure to, to try and process the, process the material that comes from that snake. Yeah. 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 Yep. And now I notice I'm, I'm focusing in on a lot of species that are not as active because I want to make it pretty and I want to make it look cool. And I know that as soon as I make it look cool, they're just going to mess it up. So like <laughs> keeping something like Serastes, shy of them, like going up the walls of their enclosure at like three in the morning, they don't move. They just sit there. So I know I can like add some decor and whatnot, you know, but that's part of the game. Yeah. We, we had a conversation about maybe doing a bioactive enclosure for a mulga snake. And I said, as long as we don't want any of the plants to stay where they're meant to be, it's fine. You know? 
just <laughs> fucking bulldozes <laughs> Well, that's where you, 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 you get fake plants in the corners to hide the seams of the cage, and you rubber cement them to the bottom, and then you just do leaf litter and grass and whatever else. So if he knocks it over, he knocks it over. You know? At least the big plants won't, won't be destroyed, per se. Right. This is a mulgus snake. It'll destroy the big plant. <laughs> destroying the plant. It'll find a way to remove the funny the stuff that you adhere to the ground. It'll find a way of getting it off. I've only ever had a fake mulga, so I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, think of it like a forest cobra, but twice as strong. Yeah, that would that would be poopy. That would definitely be poopy. Yeah, but, they're just they're just horrible. So, I love them, but they shit it. Yeah. That's too. They're, they're almost as bad as tiger snakes when it comes to poop. So. I wouldn't know. <laughs> I saw oh, some, just... some, some guys in Europe just popped out a bunch of tigers, and uh, it just sucks because, like, he's like, look at my new babies. Look at my new babies. Look, my baby's eating on their own. How glorious this is. Like, bad English translation. And it's like, I'll never, <laughs> I'll never fucking see that in person. Jesus. Uh, mate, you know, you, honestly, you don't miss too much. <laughs> <laughs> I, we, we've got the tigers we have at our place are because Ty likes tiger snakes. <laughs> I'm, I'm not a big fan. I, I like the look of them. Don't get me wrong. Like the the KIs are nice, and the um and the westerns are nice. And we've got a beautiful unbanded there as well. But you know, Jesus, they're a lot of work. They're a lot of work to keep clean. So, um, but yeah. That's all right. Oh, such is life. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, I'm going to get off the. I'm going to get off because I've got to go to a bloody meeting now. But um, uh, it was fun to jump on and and, and stir things up. And you know, what is is Owen going to be down to intern four now, Eric, or what? Yeah, he, he's upset because they didn't have a sign for him at the airport that said best NPR host. And I said, well, that's because you're not, you know. <laughs> nice. Yeah, nice. Oh. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, he's he's lost. Oh, I, reckon, <laughs> I reckon you need to make him a little hat. You know those hats that have got like a little wheel on the top? Like the dunce hat, so it's a little thing that you spin around. A little propeller. Right, with a little propeller. Yeah. And present it to him at the next carpet fest. And just go, and it just says, best, best carpet, uh, best NPR host ever. And just give that to him like that. No, there you go, mate. There's your prize. And if no one tells him about it and he doesn't listen to this, right, and you just hand it to him, this will be even better. It'll uh, just be long walk. It's going to have a big But you've got to get somebody to film it. Oh, 100%. 100%. <laughs> If you could get one made out of fur, so you could have like a faux, a faux big, uh, Bigfoot um, hat, that'd be even better. <laughs> oh, yeah. my goodness, yeah. He's wearing a GoPro, so we're going to have Owen vision, and uh, this should be interesting. So, see how so it goes. It's, 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 all it is is pointed at the ground, and then every yeah. 20 minutes it falls over. <laughs> 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 it's just like a week, hey, tell me. A week of rocks. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> right, so when you were when you've been hurting with Owen, is Owen at the front or is he at the back? Um, I always find this interesting because you know you go out with a group of people. Some people always go to the front. Some people always go to the back, and some people 
want to be at the front, so they sort of like jostle for position. It's like this. Like I think this he's a weird I think, running race. I think he's a position jostler. Yeah. Yeah. So always wants to be at the front. He's he's trying to get up there. Yeah. Yeah. Did he find stuff though? Owen. Yeah. 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 Yeah, he's because if he's finding stuff, he can be at the front. But if he's not at the, if he's not finding stuff, he can't be at the front. But yeah, he's 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 pretty good. He's got a pretty good eye. Uh, I'll give him that. I, I must admit, I actually find these days if I if I can't be at the front, that's it. I'll I'll like stop and I'll wait like ten minutes and then I'll walk along. Ten minutes after everybody else, like. Let people fucking hide it, scare everything, and let them all come back out again, and then I'll amble along afterwards. See, I don't really care about being the nipper. Always busts my stones about this, but I don't really care about being the guy that's found it. Like, I yeah. just care about seeing it. You know what I mean? Like, I don't way. have to be the guy. Like, oh, I found uh, it. I'm the one that got it. You know? And it's like, yeah, I know, I know exactly what you're saying, and I agree with you. As far as I'm concerned, if you're on the hurt trip, you all found it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you so all found it. You're all there. You're all looking. And yes. as much as I give you shit about that OP and saying that, you know, Keith was the one that saw it. That's only because I'm giving you shit about it. You know? yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, 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 yeah. I know. You know. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, in all seriousness, though, you know, if you're if you're on the trip, I know people that um, when they go out herping and they've gone out and used traps because they've been out trapping. If they don't get it in a bucket that they in a pit trap that they actually dug the bucket for, they don't count it. Wow, so even if wow. it's even if it's their their um they're doing the survey and they're going through and they're checking the bucket, if they check those buckets but they didn't dig that bucket in, they're like, Well, not really mine. Wow. Like, yeah, right. <laughs> if you don't want to fucking count that as yours, that's fucking fine. <laughs> fucking count that as mine. I've got yeah. no problem with it. I think that's just um, ego, man. It's just the ego, you know. Yeah, it is. It like, is. And I'd I'd rather be the guy at the tail end who's doing this the the third or the fourth or the tenth scan of that line than the guy at the front who missed something. Yeah. That's right. True. I I, yeah. I would rather be the guy at the back than the guy who missed it because if you're in the front and you walk right past something. So you're that guy. You know? <laughs> I, I think we all walk past a lot of animals that we never realized that we fucking saw. That's the other side of it. Oh, 100%. 100%. <laughs> oh, yeah. So as much as I hate to hate to think about it, you know, I've walked past a lot more animals than I've bloody seen. So, And I think, every, I think if anyone's genuine about it, they're exactly the same. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So anyway. All right. All right okay, moving. Talk soon, eh? All right. Take care, brother. Thank you. Bye. Uh, always a treat. Yeah. Uh, I was actually I, talking to him. Uh, we we've been we've been on the phone now more often than ever, and uh, uh, I was talking to him about four hours ago. We talked about him coming on because uh, and it's like. It's difficult because it's amazing that with a push of a button, I could talk to someone on the other side of the freaking planet. But right. every so often, it just doesn't work right. So yeah. it's like, hey, let's finish this conversation from two days ago. You know, it's like, I don't even remember what we're talking about, but you continue it, continuation of it. 100%. Um, okay. And uh, I was going over to the farm and I, I went up getting a couple of snakes and I had them in a deli cup and I'm, I'm looking at them like, this is awesome. And just going back to what we were talking about, having you know uh, a, a 
more manageable collection, right? And I realized that I'm at the point now where I eat. Everyone always says, I have what I want. No, I don't have what I want. I'll never have what I want because we always want more, right? But right. I think what I got now is a good eclectic group of everything. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and I like that uh, we're just talking about like you branching out and doing like the lizard stuff and stuff like that. And I, I really think that uh, it we all keep eclectic and, and, and obscure collections, but having that right number and setting them up right, yeah. I think is a, is a paramount thing. I really oh, do. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. And even if it takes someone many years to learn that for themselves, because some people, they just need to figure it out the hard way. You know what I mean? I'm one of them. But yeah, me too. Even, even if it takes you months or years to figure it out when you do, it'll be, it'll be awesome. You know? I think the thing that that I always struggled with coming in back into the hobby was, you know, a lot of the people that um, I looked up to or 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 picked their brains or whatever, um, they sort of worked with one thing, you know. So I thought that's kind of how you had to go, you know. And I, I every once in a while I would dabble into like adding stuff here or there, but I I really struggled with like. Uh, struggled with that because i think to like what we were saying earlier it kind of like made me a, a worse keeper because i had that species dialed in perfectly like carpet pythons perfect have them perfect but put a white lip in there or a chondro in there and they don't they're not as forgiving you know so like the things that i would take for granted of python keeping really i wasn't being the best python keeper i could be you know if that makes sense no yeah it does it does and i think i think it's very interesting because like i don't consider myself a python guy i mean i am i don't have a single forward but uh the small group of pythons that i do have like i look at someone like yourself and it's inspirational you know what i mean it, it truly is right and but then I, at the same time i also get to observe you branch out yeah. And and continue to learn, and that reassures me too. Is like you can still branch out, you can still learn. Look at the pod father; he's doing it too. You're and never too old to try new things. Yeah, and nah, dude, that, like that's why. Like I was always terrified of getting pyros, and now I've got uh, um, all of Brian Hub's books, and I got a pair of them. So that's the next adventure, you know. That's awesome. Yeah, they're yeah. cool snakes. Yeah, you know, Rob. Uh, I keep going back to Rob. He's probably the guy that influenced me the most in the hobby real in reality but uh you know he would tell me it's like you try something if you don't like it it's not it's, dude you just move on you know you tried it didn't yeah. work move on to the next thing you know it, it don't 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 think that you are less of something because yeah you couldn't make this work or you didn't enjoy it you know sure I, and we do podcasts and when we're talking, we sort of talk and like, you know, I guess we're a little bit, uh, I guess dramatic is the word. And I say things like white lips suck. And it's, it doesn't mean that I think they suck. They suck for yeah. me. <laughs> you yeah, know exactly. I mean? They suck exactly. for me. Well, it's like, we always have this famous saying in, in the, in like reptile wholesale and import export is like, oh, that species, it dies really well. And it's like, <laughs> no, right. Like we joke about that all the time. And, right. and most of the people that we're joking with or I'm joking with, they know I'm joking. Right. But at the same time, it's not that it dies well. It's that my husbandry was completely wrong. Right. You know, or I didn't, I wasn't attentive enough to that species' needs. 
Right. And, and, you know, and then when it comes down to brass taxes, if I really, really was passionate about that species, well, that's I it. Would, I would have figured it out. Yes. You know, yeah. and that, and that goes back to not to get on a pedestal or anything, but like Henry is perpetually harping on me about keeping what you love, even if it's yes. one snake keeping what you love and that's why like I, that's why i got it, uh, into the wrinkles because like it's a species i love it's a species that i plan on really working with even if i never produce a single baby i have right. the collection i have the group that i have and i've got right. the projects too but like it, it he's right you know you have to focus on what you really like you know yeah, you man. still love carpets but you really are passionate about these other lizards so like let's expand into it yeah yeah i will always love carpet pythons that's just yeah it's just it's I, it was I my first picture, python. Yeah, I can't I can't picture myself without having carpet pythons, but yeah. that doesn't mean that's all I can have to keep, you know. So sure, sure. Yeah. So Smitty, uh what did what did you want to cover next? Because I feel like we, we departured a little bit. Uh you were talking about the fake bites. Yes. So Enough. one thing I wanted to touch base on, and maybe it's because I don't know if it's because I'm physically observing this or if it's because people send me links and articles and stuff like that. Um, but I've been noticing a lot of old bites, old, excuse me, old venomous accounts, old venomous bites, resurgence on Facebook and on Instagram. And at the same time, the photos are completely wrong. And they're either photos that were just pulled off the internet or you know, if it was a uh, if it was a Dimeback bite, okay, it was Dimeback bite. But the photo they used is a Dimeback bite from 15 years ago, and it's hmm. like that's not that guy's hand. That's not that this guy's story. That's that that they're just pulling stuff. And I don't know. And I don't think it's like fake news. I think it's people googling rattlesnake bite, and the first one that comes up is the link is the story from 10 years ago, and they assume it's the one that everyone's talking about right now that happened yesterday. Oh, I and thought I, you were going to say it was like an animal rights thing to where they were trying to dig yeah, it up. And you know what? Throw it, it, out could, it, it could be that too. I mean, we, we see it constantly, you know, like animal rights people, they get terroristy at times, you know? Um, yeah. But in this case, I really feel like it's um, someone trying to tell a story and not doing their homework as to the real story. Um, just wow. recently, there was a whole thing about a gaboon bite. Somebody got tabbed by a gaboon and there's pictures and you can clearly tell that of the four or five pictures, the last photo is probably the gaboon bite. Just the way it looks and the fact that mm -hmm. it's a more modern cell phone camera, whatever it is. But the other photos, you can go on Southeastern Hot Herb Society website right now. And you can find those photos and they're actually from Western Dimeback. And hmm. it's it's a classic like it's a classic photo of major hemorrhaging on the palm right here, and it's all blown out and purple. And it's like well, people are just throwing stuff out there. And I feel like if not to do like a public service announcement or anything, but like if if we're going to tell a story, we definitely need to like look at the date of the website that you found. You know what I mean? Little things like that. And uh, and I feel like because we're just taking Instagram and Facebook at face value for most of this stuff regarding our hobby our industry certain things are I, I don't know i got annoyed by it i don't know if there's even a, a conversation there to talk about i, I just got annoyed by it yeah 
I, it's like I, the, I can see what the mysterious nine foot carpet python. Yeah. <laughs> force yeah. Per, for, force perspective, right? Yeah. It's, gig it's uh, gigantic. Yeah. yeah. So and I get I mean I guess that's a good segue into our bite of the week if you want to do that. Yeah. So uh I am still getting those Zaki's Dustin. Yes. You you Dustin, you were fashionably late. We previously <laughs> discussed this. You'll have to listen afterward. Um by the way, love the dirt video. Absolutely love the dirt video um, on Instagram. FYI, anybody who needs to go figure out the the perfect semi-arid substrate, check it out. Um, so recently, an individual in the UK was tagged by a rather obscure species of venomous snake. Um, and I say tagged legitimately, like, doop, tagged. Um should I just read the account and then we go into it or should we just tell them what it was? What do you think? Read it with your sultry voice. Oh, Jesus. All right. So Paint me a picture of wolf. Yes, sir. Um, so this individual was envenomated by a venomous species. Um, and, and I'm going to, I'm going to, try and read his Facebook account and his account of the incident. And then I have some pictures to follow up. Um, the bite occurred at 2126. That's the time. A stab from a single fang of the stiletto viper, Actractaspis subspecies, uh, to the knuckle on the index of the left hand. The snake was secured back in a bag, boxed and placed in a locked vivarium. Basic first aid applied. Uh, rinsing under tap and gentle pressure applied to try and remove any venom. Um, that ain't going to work, but good. So let's let's talk about this. So the stiletto snake, uh, Actractaspis subspecies of sorts, um, a species that is very much on my mind right now. And mm -hmm. it just, I've been doing so much Actractaspis research on my own between papers and I, I just got the the edition chimera book that's actually coming from england um oh, nice yeah and uh i'm definitely keeping the species and i know that they're going to be a pain in my ass because i've kept them before but not me personally i took care of ones in, in collection um but these are what we refer to as mole vipers they're actually not vipers um they were previously in a colubrids group of animals but they are their own group at trachaspis okay. Um, and there is a fossorial, uh, semi-subterranean species of burrowing snake. Uh, they're highly venomous, uh, but on record as of right now, I don't believe there has been a modern fatality, meaning, you know, post-1900, I don't think there's actually ever been a recorded fatality, but it is one of the most excruciating and life-fearing bites you'll ever encounter simply because of the amount of rotting flesh and the intense bouts of pain that come with it. Um, they get the name stiletto snake because their fangs are retractable and they come out the sides. So anytime you see people throating a snake or pinning a snake or grabbing a snake behind the head, you physically cannot do that with this species right? because the fangs will shoot out the side like a switchblade and get you. Oh, shit. Um, yeah. They, they're, they're incredibly, uh, dangerous in that regard and many people will especially people that don't know what it is they'll pick it up thinking it's a wolf snake or a purple gloss snake and they'll just grab it behind the head because those two snakes are notorious for nipping people 
and they're harmless colubrids, and they go and they grab my behind the head, and then two fangs shoot at the side like switchblades and get both fingers. Oh, um, wow. So, going back to this account, um, uh, the individual... Unpinnable. They're f physically unpinnable. Um, uh, pain and swelling were immediate. Sharp burning sensation rapidly escalating. Localized swelling and slight discoloration around the bite. Intensity of pain increasing rapidly. A colleague drove me to the hospital. Another colleague called and informed the hospital that I was in route. Uh, arrival at the hospital was 2,200 hours. Both swelling and pain had increased significantly. Over the next couple of hours, pain continued increasing substantially, unbearably in the hand. Um, a strange numbing sensation moved progressively from the hand up the arm, reaching the left shoulder. Eyesight affected and tightness across the chest, some difficulty in breathing, but not significant. So these are all typical symptoms. Um, shockingly enough, a, a major symptom of atratospis envenomation um, is, is rotting, is rotting and, and necrosis uh, of the bite site, as well as some of the affected appendages. Um, this guy really didn't have any of that. Um, basically just had pain, just intense, intense pain. Um, uh, sorry, I'm trying to, f I'm, tr I'm reading screenshots here, so bear with me, folks. Um, um, Fluids administered, presumably saline, pain relief in the form of morphine, was not given until 1.30 a.m. Uh, the effects were minimal and pain remained unacceptable through the night. I discharged myself against advice at 11.30 the following day. Pain remained an issue for the next few days, gradually subsiding. The site of the bite was sensitive for, other, for another couple of weeks, but other than that, no ill effects. The guy got fucking lucky. And at the same time, I should preface that there is no pure anti-venin for stiletto snake bites um there are several uh, venom producers as well as venom venom anti-venom manufacturers that are including atractaspis venom into their serums but there's no like polyvalent or monovalent Mon yeah, specific monovalent. right yeah. well i mean polyvalent because i think there's 12 or 14 different species of atractaspis across all of africa and into the middle east um <clears throat> The snake, this is what I find the most interesting. The snake was administered mouthwatch upon my return with no long-term ill effects from his misadventure. The little bugger had been re had been rehomed to an institution where it will be milked for its venom. Um, and then it goes into what I just said about uh, the different uh, species. So this individual was envenomated with one fang from the stiletto snake, received unbearable amounts of pain, but within 12 hours, discharged themselves from the hospital, having not received anything but a small dose of morphine. Um, we know other people that got bit by stiletto snakes and had way worse of a time, uh, i.e. Mike Clarkson and uh, Nathaniel Frank. Um, yep. Nathaniel Frank says that, you know, he would never wish a stiletto bite on his worst on his worst enemy. Wow. Um, uh, I have the pictures of the bite. Uh, but first, I'll show a picture of the snake because that's what people really want to see. Um, and the the best part about it is it's not an impressive looking animal at all. Yeah, they're pretty pretty unassuming. <laughs> yeah, very unassuming. Um, just by the look of the picture, I mean, we can't really gauge how big it is, but they typically stay under three foot, usually around two foot in length. So if you'll notice here on the right side of the snake is the tail tip. Mm -hmm. On the left side is the snake's head. And they do this... Uh, as Nathaniel Frank calls it, the uh, chicken plucking the ground posture. 
So the tip of the nose is very pointy. And what they'll do is they'll arch their neck and they'll tap their head on the ground, making a, a tapping sound. Hmm. And, uh, and what will happen is as the snake gets more agitated, they'll actually arch their whole back into a, a full, you know, McDonald's arch and continue to tap. And if that doesn't work, then they do this spring loaded pinwheel thing where they flip around 360 degrees with both fangs sticking out, hoping that they can, you know, stab or lacerate anything that's in close proximity to the animal. Um, a fascinating, fascinating species that I do plan on working with. Um, but it's one of those things where you don't pick them up. Um, yeah. Because if you do pick them up, this is what happens. Um, and these pictures are, are very unassuming. So that was immediately after the bite um, or stabbing, I should say. Uh, you can actually see a little dot right there. Mm -hmm. um, this is the one at the hospital at around one in the morning. Obviously, we have some discoloration and the major swelling. You can see how swollen his thumb and his fingers are. Um, this is actually at the hospital after getting some morphine and some 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 saline and stuff like that. Um, and that was it. That's really all the guy got. So he got very, very lucky. I personally feel like, and again, I'm no expert. Uh, I personally feel like this was a case of uh, residual venom on the fang. Um, I feel like if he actually got an actual envenomation, it would have been 10 times worse, especially yeah. if that snake was as big as it may appear. I mean, in um, comparison to Mike's bite, it that yeah, pretty pretty minor. Yeah, that guy got lucky, real lucky. Um, so essentially, what happens is you have a true wet envenomation. The snake has bitten someone; it has injected venom through the fang into the actual prey or the human, uh, and then you get an envenomation. Uh, then you have what's referred to as a dry bite. Uh, a dry bite is actually you guys hear that machine running in the background. No, no, no. Okay, good. All right, sorry. Um, it's very, very loud on my end. Um, then you have a, a dry bite. Now, I don't want to say this. This is not an official statistic, but the the general rule of thumb is about forty percent of venomous bites in captivity are dry, because the animal is not necessarily looking to kill you. It just wants you to go away, and it's not going to waste that precious venom trying to scare you off. So it may strike, it may bite, what have you. Now, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of envenomations that are legit and bona fide, but there is a small percentage, 30 40% in captivity specifically, that are completely dry. And then you have a residual bite where there is venom in the fang itself or on the fang or in the mouth of the animal, um, and you're envenomated on a minute level, just enough, just enough to get you going, but it wasn't a legit injection. Um, I personally feel like that's what this was, just because, like we said, like Mike Clark's bite was poof, you know? Um, but yeah, I figured uh, we haven't had a good bite report in a while, and, and this just happened like 10 days ago, so. I got a crazy question for you for, from course. that that popped into yeah. my head, because I'm not really yeah. a venomous guy, but like, do you think that over time and captivity, I'm assuming that most people feed frozen thawed prey to snakes venomous snakes and that's that's the, right that's the goal i mean you'll always so, you'll always get someone who gives a live prey as an enrichment thing or give it a live prey just to make sure the snake's still ticking you know um so over time the would is, they, yeah. would, over time would they start to not use their venom as much 
Um, since it's so, you mean as in like they realize that it's already dead most of like every time they're yeah, they're you know how like it. a yeah, like don't cotton mouths typically eat. I mean, in my personal fresh? observation, yeah, yeah. They, they they do very much a carrion eater. Um, but in my observation, if they're going to bite it, it's getting envenomated. So like I have animals that that won't even they won't strike. They'll just look at me like, really, what do you want me to do with that wet rat? You know. And then I leave the rat there and they're like, oh, that's for me? Oh, okay. And they just go and they just eat it. And then I've got snakes oh, okay. that no matter what you put in that cage, it's biting it. And there will be venom all on the outside of the mouse. There'll be venom on the tongs. Like, they don't care. That's okay. they're, they're, In their mind, they're like, oh, I'll just make more, you know? Gotcha. Um, I, I feel like it's I'm species sure specific that, and animal specific. Yeah. Some of that is species specific for sure, I think. Because, I mean, in terms of, I'm not, of course, I'm going to relate it back to chondros. But every time I feed a chondro. There is no like grabbing it gently and and eating it. There is yeah. hit it yeah. like it's the last meal you're ever gonna <laughs> yeah. get, and then wrap yeah. it and then hold onto it for like an hour before you. I got a few. They literally yeah. like fall asleep while they're eating, you know before they even start eating it, and I have to go and like bump the the tub or something, and they kind of wake <laughs> up. And like, oh yeah, I'm eating. Um, but like yeah, I mean chondros. I've never had a chondro that just gently took a mouse and ate it. Like every single one I've I've owned and dealt with was like murder it, make yeah, sure that's it's true. dead. dead. I never even thought about that, but yeah, I, yeah, huh? Okay. Maybe it's an ambush predator thing, because same with gaboons, and I think rhinos too. Like you know, they'll grab it and they'll they'll lift it off the ground and hold onto it. You know, maybe it's an ambush specific yeah. thing, because stuff like, uh, you know, like browns and and taipans and stuff like that, they're not as reliant on that. You know, it's going to be one of those things where it's like I could just tap it and it's probably just going to stop right there where it is. So yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's a predatory sort of method that dictates sure. that but yeah i really i feel like it's almost like the horn toads where they can shoot the blood out of their eye but they're never they're never gonna do it unless it's that last ditch mm -hmm. it's, it's their alamo yeah. you know what i mean right. right and i feel like in a defensive scenario if i've got a rattlesnake in captivity that thing sees me getting past the first six to eight months that thing sees me all the time it knows i'm there and eventually it may try to defend itself, but it's going to learn like, okay, this dude isn't going to step on me. This dude isn't going to eat me, you know? So why am I going to strike out? You know, now there's, I have other animals that pff, it's been years. Like I got cobras. It's been over 10 years. They still want to kill me. So, yeah, I think that's why I was thinking that like they can learn that. So why wouldn't they learn to just not use their venom? Yeah. I mean, I have, I, have it also, I was going to I have a cobra that will bite the glass and gnaw its face on the glass and like the venom just pools all over the glass oh, God. and what will happen is i'll i will literally open the glass throw a frozen thawed rat in there like bam real quick bang no and clear. tongs bang and clear legit bang <laughs> and clear it will turn and this is the best part i'm going to use my phone as a, a representation okay so what or actually i'll use this cigarette pack so you make sure i write this timestamp right? down because this is going to be good Right. So <laughs> this the snake will then turn around. It'll grab the rat by like the, the neck area. Mm -hmm. It'll it's a it, it'll pick the rat up and then continue to hit the glass with the rat <laughs> in its mouth. Oh wow. <laughs> so like that to me just says like it, it's a legitimate hate. Like he hates me. You know what I mean? It's gotcha. not so much I don't think it's a uh we always talk about how there's no such thing as an aggressive snake. They're all defensive. I'm a firm believer in that. Mm -hmm. But this snake is extra but, defensive against me. 
Yeah. You know? So, <laughs> so yeah, there's a time and a place for venom usage in a, in, in a snake's daily or monthly or yearly routine. But at the same time, I think also it's scenario based and it's also, yeah, I think it's, it's also going to dictate, you know, wild caught versus, you know, maybe F ones or something. Cause I know with sure, that, yeah. the small copperhead that I had up until we bought the house, um, you know, that was brought to me as a, a little tiny thing. And I noticed when I when I was went to go feed it, if I kept that mouse on the tongs, expecting it to grab it and hold on to it, it wouldn't it just continue to strike. So I figured out that if I just let it hit it once and then drop that food right there, it would eat it no problem. But if I continued yes. to try and get it to take it, right, yeah. it kept striking at it. Like, okay, you're you know, why are you not dying? <laughs> right. Um, yeah. And I, you know, so I think maybe there's also, depending on if it's an import or you know, be it whatever species it is, like there's a. Right, an element yeah. there. Well, in, in conclusion to this stiletto incident, um, I will say that through the grapevine, the rumor is that the individual who got bit uh, did not ask what it was and basically just opened the bag and blindly reached in, picked it up, and got thwacked. Um, so that is a lesson to everyone, no matter where you are in the world doesn't matter if venomous are prohibited in your area or if you live at the North Pole. Always ask what's in the bag. Always ask. Didn't we learn that lesson with that one guy that died with the crate? Yeah. I don't uh, remember that Swolzinski, right? Or, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Reached yeah. right in and it's like, oh, that's not a wolf snake. That's a, that's a crate. And now we're yeah. nowhere and you have to carry me. Yeah. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. So, but yeah, Atractaspis, very, very cool species, highly underrated. Um, I've had uh, uh, a few different sub-Saharan species. They're very boring. Uh, I've never seen one do the threat display ever. They mm -hmm. kind of just sit there. But again, I'm eager to get into them. Why not? It's African. Screw it. So if any come across my path, I know Jason Keller's sending me links like on the daily now <laughs> so, yeah. yeah it's cool like they're just they're the, the way they're adapted to yeah. you know basically just raid burrows and the fact that like the way they that that dentition is and the way they strike is made so that they can operate still underground in these small burrows with next to no space they don't have to like strike in the traditional sense they just literally have to like go up next to something and just like you know throw that fang out I don't know if Amazing. you showed a picture or not of of the like how those fangs I'm, I'm, just shoot right, right out, out the top. Yeah. yeah, and you know they'll just go to nests and they'll just they'll they'll eat a whole nest of you know mice or whatever mice babies and they don't they just have to go in there and, and tap it and you know they're they're adapted and built to basically operate in these like it's more or less a telephone booth I guess is kind of an analogy I would use but yeah it's wild yeah Oof. and it, even some of the ones that they you know they're, they're going after subterranean prey whether it be small mammals or skinks because let's mm -hmm. be real africa's got a lot of skinks underground and they'll sift through sand and dirt and make their they'll burrow through and when they either taste the scent of a lizard mm -hmm. they'll go towards it the minute they feel the movement out comes the switchblade and if they happen to stab it they'll get that that i don't want to compare it to like when a bad guy runs away from a canine dog like a Canadian police dog, and now the dog mm -hmm. has the scent of that guy running. It's the same kind of concept, and yeah. it, the venom is so fast acting that 
you know, things work. So uh, here is, <clears throat> excuse me. They also have their own family of toxin too. Yes. So this is the Asclepia snake by foundation to which Justin and I are hardcore hey. supporters of. I'm wearing my um, shirt right now. Oh, you are. That's right. And, and I got a hoodie have... that I haven't even worn yet. I'm waiting on the weather to cool off enough for me to well, rock a hoodie on, on the daily. Tis the season, my friend. So here is a stiletto in action. Oh, yeah. Looks like a millipede. You see how fast yeah, that is. So here's a Holy slow motion shit. video. And wow. you can see it, it actually lands a perfect hit on the hook. Whap, there it is. And a little break dancing. And it break dances. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But yeah, you could imagine if you live in an area that has, you know, the purple gloss snakes, the wolf snakes, wham, so fast. And and yeah. African millipedes, you know, you would this would be a very unsuspecting Wow. Yeah, like I said, they're, they're just physically unpinnable. Like you cannot, yeah. you cannot grab them behind the head because it's just yeah. you're, you're going to get tagged. And here I'll I, I'll show the the fangs and how it works. There's some great line drawings out there. Attract aspis. What is is it a? It's not a bibrotoxin, right? It's like a serifotoxin or something like that. It's a serifotoxin. Yep, serifotoxin. Yeah. So here is a fang shot, real quick, while I try and find the line drawings. Wow. Yeah. Do they not have one of it just sticking out the side of the mouth? They do. Like they're, it's like flanged out a little bit so that they don't, like I said, they don't even have to really open their mouth. They just, there's, there was good video of it at one point. Yeah. When they were talking oh, about Mike's wow. bite. Oh, man. Where's that photo that I... It's probably in O'Shea's book, too. If you have Venomous Snakes of the World, I want to say there's a really good picture of it in there, too. I yeah, do. there you go. I... Yeah, so now you have a snake that can literally strike and envenomate without ever opening its mouth. That's wild. Super they're cool. So stupid looking, but damn it. They're they're super derpy and adorable, but switchblades, man. Switch oh here you go. That's a good one. It's like the Prius with right? that Ferrari Ferrari engine in it. It may not look like much, but it's, it's like a, a walrus. It's like a walrus. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I'm actually uh trying to find that line drawing real quick if i can and from what i understand too bites from those are pretty common in a lot of yeah, the range as well i don't i'd have to talk to mike common. about it and ask him but you think about i mean that's a nocturnal species people walking around you know barefoot with next to no or next to no foot covering at all you know in those the third world areas and that's it's a recipe for disaster yeah it is Speaking of ASF, though, we have a pretty big mega raffle planned for this upcoming weekend. We didn't do it this weekend because of Tinley. So we're going to have a, a humidor and some cigars and some other stuff. So nice. do that and have that benefit the Asclepius Snakebite Foundation. Very cool. So here we can see. Thing. Yes. Here we can see uh, comparative skull shapes. 
<clears throat> excuse me. So essentially you have um, three different types of vipers. Um, obviously, Ectrotaspis in the middle. You can see the length of the fang. Mm -hmm. And then this MX right here, this is actually the hinging point for it to pull up and out the side. Um, here we can see it even better. See it right Are there. those considered any lapper? Those considered their own thing? No, they're, they're their own thing. Yep. You can That's see crazy. multiple fangs in this wanna, one. Yeah. I want to see a phylogenic tree on those. That's sort of been my, my thing lately is wanting to see where things are coming from, you know, on the timeline of evolution and stuff in certain families. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's always fun. Well, like yeah, seeing like the, right. the Boiga one that they released recently that showed like Toxicodryas and um, Telescopus and stuff like that, seeing that they were all at one time, you know, they all came from the same same place, more or less. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. just cool to see that stuff sort of mapped out. And Chondros, too, when Natush released that paper that showed the, uh, you know. Yeah. Being able to sort gotta, of see the movement geographically of this is where they started and this is where they kind of branched out from. It would be up, I guess, because it's coming from Australia. But you got to send me that paper with the Boiga and the Telescopus because yeah, that's actually that's actually the snakes I got tonight. So it's fun too when you can sort of time it with, um, uh, you know, as. Australia became more and more arid, mm -hmm. you know, and you can see how it changed and affected species. And it's kind of how we got like brattles, you know. Oh, yeah. Did you watch that video that Maliri did with O'Shea? I didn't. I have it on cue, but yeah. I, yeah. I like the first anymore. couple minutes of that, he actually talks about like the geography and how that land bridge sort of disappeared and how it's still changing. It was actually really interesting. Like it was, he went way more in depth on, on that and how things got to how they are on Papua and how Papua is actually like evolving and changing geographically. Like the first like 20 minutes of that, that whole video are just talking about that. And it's actually really cool because it's something that really doesn't get paired with, with, herpeticulture a lot is you know geography and that plays a pretty yeah. big role in, in things oh, yeah. i think uh well we, uh, well i think we have we have somebody else lined up uh coming up on the field herp podcast but then mark o'shea is going to come for indonesia or i guess basically papua new guinea mm -hmm. um, yeah. but uh he did talk about a lot about that when we did the rough scale with him because yeah he talked yeah basically it's oh, kind of yeah. the same thing but yeah because, you know, I, I was picking his brain about just carpets and thinking that if chondros can be on both sides of the, the mountain, scrubs mm -hmm. are on both sides of the mountain, why would it be crazy to think that carpets couldn't be on both sides of the mountain? You know what I mean? Sure. You know? And then and was his answer to that just that there just hasn't been enough time for that to happen? <sighs> yeah, I you know, I, I, I he's a science guy, so they never like, you know, speak in definitives mm -hmm. if you will but you know i think he, he he was very uh open to the idea that a lot of papua new guinea still has to be uh yeah you're gonna find stuff there for sure you know because then the, the other one part I, of that coming out uh probably uh maybe the end of november i'm thinking Damn. yeah i'm gonna be waiting um, for that one 
you know, it was interesting too, because the other question I asked them is, right, you find carpets and you find carpets in the top end of Australia. If now you find spotted pythons and, you know, you're finding Antaresia up there. Um, would it be crazy to think that maybe there's blackheads there or could there be other species of python that are up there? Mm -hmm. Obviously water pythons are on both sides of, of that, yeah. you know? Yeah, scrub pythons. <laughs> Why would this species be different? Especially if, according to what everybody says, that it's that 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 area, that bottom part of uh, New Guinea is a lot like the top of Australia. Yeah, so. yeah. Because that, also, that was something. Oh, go ahead, Phil. No, I was just gonna say real quick is that I I hope that we get to do this sooner than later because, you know, Henry and I have lots of friends in Southeast Asia that we talk to on Facebook and Instagram and stuff and like. A lot of the guys that were doing a lot of venom research in Port Moresby, they're not seeing black snakes anymore or, or any any of the species of black snakes, any of the Sudecas, because the cane toad population is so intense that they're they they just disappear. You know, they yeah. eat two or three toads in a night and they die, and that just doesn't recoup from that. And who's to say that there aren't more out in those foothills, other species in those foothills that are going through the same sort of issues? So right. Yeah. Yeah, and talking to Natush, you know, we see Maruki locality chondros and stuff. And according to him, you're not going to find chondros in Maruki itself because that's that sort of drier scrubland habitat. Like, there's that bowl mm -hmm. of Papua New Guinea, like that. I don't. Um, basically, like where where Northern Territory and then the northern yeah. part of that connected. You know, there's that dry scrub sort of semicircle there. And you don't, he said you don't really find conjures there. So anytime you see a Maruki for sale, it's like that's just where it happened to fly out of. It's likely from like n north of that in that same sort of band, right. I guess. Yeah, I could never connect the idea of uh, carpet pythons and chondros being in that same area right. and looking like they do Re meaning that like i would expect them to look more like a jungle carpet which mm -hmm. some some ijs right that are over there sometimes you see that yellow and black type of thing but like most of the people that have told me that what it looks like in that environment is like the northern territory you're not going to yeah. find a chondro in the northern territory <laughs> it's just yeah. not going to yeah. happen you know what i mean they're just not going to survive they're going to yeah. look like a a rough scale <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah. Do uh, do either of you guys have O'Shea's snakes of Papua? Yeah. Nope. Hell yeah, man. And it, even though the book is a little dated, mm -hmm. it's probably a lot dated. Let's be real. Mm -hmm. It's awesome book. Awesome. He's working he said on, in, he, he's yeah, working he on said volume in, two. Yeah. Yeah. In Malaria's oh. video, he said he was working on a, either a revision or another another version of it. Excellent. Excellent. I got to tell you, man. Talking to him, obviously, you're talking to somebody that like growing up as a kid that yeah i mean it's like talking to steve Irwin. you know he's, yeah. he's on that level and what a chill guy that's just a, just this you know what man he just just it was just awesome it really cool. well, it was it was funny in dan's video because you know they'd started i think it was originally meant to talk about that that maculosa or the mm -hmm. maculosa that dan got and it evolved into like so much other stuff because you could just tell like O'Shea was just as like nerding out just as hardcore as anybody else does on podcasts because they, they started with Maculosa oh, and then it just completely 100%. went high into the right. <laughs> I think, you know, I, I, I haven't floated this by Nipper, but there's a couple parts that I would have to take out that because Nipper and Mark both say 
Marco, you know, edit this out. This has to come out, right? But in that conversation, I was thinking about taking that part out, but then just putting up the raw, uncut, unfiltered conversation that we had, the three of us. Yeah. And putting it in like the Patreon thing or something yeah. like that, you know? Just hell yeah. I think that would be uh would be cool. Uh, it was awesome. just cool I to know see I that he seems to he just gets he, he he's as psyched about that stuff as you know all of us are and that he can it takes him on tangents too you know it's not just straight to business yeah you know, all yeah. the time and but yeah I, I really wish that his you know the episodes of the show and stuff were still available he he had talked about that in, in dan's video as well that there's like copyright <laughs> issues with you know whatever company production company is that handled it and that's the only reason they're they're really not available is, um, yeah, yeah, you know, it gets, I, gets shot down. Yeah. I will say this: not not just because, <clears throat> excuse me, not just because you're sitting here with us right now, but I listen to a fair bit of podcasts. I have not been on the edge of my seat, literally, as well as that last episode with uh, with Mark. That field herping cast episode was just like what. <laughs> what am I like holding the headphones? Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, you know, I guess for me personally, with that that episode in particular, rough scales being such a, you know, a dream species to ever work with, in in captivity to think that they would ever even be in my snake room or, or whatever is just nuts. And then to actually talk to the guy that was there on one of the trips that, you know what I mean? It's like directly yeah. from him. Yeah. There's no, there's no in between. There's no, Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we, we always That's talk cool. about the net that. Yeah. We, we always talk about the natural history of snakes. He is part of the natural history of the rough scale Python. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, literally, yeah. like that, that's that in itself is phenomenal, you know? It makes me think about like having more people like that on the show, you know? But I think, I think sometimes that balance of like uh, people that are ac academics are not necessarily, you know, yeah, not like yeah. Him, not necessarily like him per se, you know? Right. Like, I'm not going to go right. on some random podcast. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, exa exactly. You know? Exactly. You, the uh, benefit is that not only is Mark, a an academic but he's he's, he's a, a herper he's a herper he's one <laughs> yeah. of us you know yeah. and that's that's yeah. the best part man yeah, yeah. that was that was a <laughs> that was all these 10 years of podcasting we're all worth it right in that <laughs> you know, that's, yeah. <laughs> um, that's awesome that's but, awesome Oh man, I have All this right. Boiga paper somewhere. I'm trying to find it. It's probably on my computer, not my phone. But I'll post it in the Snakes and Stogies group as a file. Yeah, that's all right. I uh, uh, I'll get it. I'll get it. I'll, I'll look it over. The um, Harry Green would, would be a good one, Scott. It'd be cool to talk to him. Yeah, and and Ron mm -hmm. Whitaker, of course. Um, uh, what was I going to say about the Boiga article? Damn. Well, I, I, bet, I literally spent the majority of today, every chance I could at work, uh, talking to Nipper about telescopes because I went and got those two tonight. And <laughs> just going over the two different, like the different localities and the different colors and phenotypes. And like, I'm sending him pictures. He's like, no, that's wrong. 
Uh, he's like, no, that's wrong. And at one point, he, I, I think he was actually getting mad at me, but he was, he was being a little playful <laughs> about it. And he's like, he's like, I have seen them in the wild. That picture is wrong. <laughs> it's like, okay, I got you. I got you. So, yeah. Uh, but it's good, man. It's awesome. It's what species awesome. of telescopist did you get? Uh, so, um, we're, uh, Nipper says they're obsoletous. And I do it. And I agree with him. I do. Um, they're supposed to be Tahara. Um, but they're just by looking at them. So Nipper informed me that the black lateral line that starts at the tip of the nose goes through the eye and all the way to the back of the head is definitively obsoletous. Um, so I have a female that is like, a I don't want to say barred or banded, um, but definitely has like a saddling to it. And then I got a completely patternless male. So, and they're, they're babies. They were, they're captive hatched wow. and uh, we'll see what happens. So now I'm slipping down that Kaluber <laughs> rope, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's cool to see Kalubrids kind of getting some love again, you know? Yeah. And not, I'm not talking about like the, the, the obscure Kalubrids too. It seems like, uh, the North American colubrids are getting some uh, well-deserved love as of late. Scott says there was a review of Telescopus. There is a review. I actually have it on ResearchGate. Um, I've gotten about halfway through it. It doesn't cover every single species, but uh, it definitely talks about the um, uh, obtusus and uh, the <sighs> try always messes. It's the Tripoli one. Talks about the Tripoli one as well as Dahara and Dahara Dahara, and then it briefly touches base on semi annulatus. Um, I definitely want to get semi annulatus again, those are pff, my favorites, but nothing's coming out of Southeast uh, uh, Africa these days, so that's what happens. I just want a night tiger, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I want, <laughs> yeah. Dude, they were everywhere in the Northern Territory. It's <laughs> like uh, another night tiger. Nice. Yeah, they did some of those candy canes, man. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Scott's like, ah, it's whatever. No. Yeah, yeah. Incredible. They're like crappets. <laughs> yeah, crappets. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Smitty, we, did we completely forget about the two questions of the week? We did. Do you want to do them or you want to save them? Hell no, man. Let's do them. Let's do them. We got the Podfather here. Let's do them. Let's do it. Here, while he while, while he looks at that, I got it. I was trying to get it. That paper, man. Someone sent it to me, and I think I deleted it. Damn it. Oh. Questions of the week. Here, while uh, while he's digging, I'll show you the obtusus babies. I mean, they're they're crappy deli cup pictures because I literally just snapped them to send a nipper real quick. Right. Um, yeah, but, but still. Yeah. I haven't set them up or nothing. I just literally. He probably complained about it too. Well, oh, cool. So that's the. Oh. Yeah. Right. That's cool. So man. that's the female. She's a little smaller, but you can see. Oh, this picture got blurry. You can see the black line through the eye. Mm -hmm. Nachschlagen. 
they're not schlagen. Um, so yeah, so this is the, the patterned obtusis. And then here is, if I can get it to correct itself, whoops. That's the patternless mail. Oh wow! Why won't you load? And I'm I'm pretty sure they came out of the same clutch. So I'm waiting to talk to another guy tomorrow who takes care of the colubrid room at the farm because he's the one who incubated them. And I, I want to make sure that they are from the same clutch because that would be awesome if both these animals came out of the same clutch. It'd be very cool. Hell yeah! Wow, yeah. that's cool, man. So, right, yeah, I, so. I'll get better pictures when it's not you know rushed so to speak so. we'll start with the cigar question of the week because that got two yeah. replies um and that was what's been your favorite cigar or brand lately thomas Irvin replied with the umbagog from uh dunbarton tobacco and trust it's the corona corona gore the 6x48 that's a very good cigar uh and then dylan peerless i've been enjoying the punch corona offerings for a while now is also a solid smoke nice the herp question of the week was do you prefer the bigger shows like nrbc or nrbe over the smaller more frequent shows why or why not um Ooh. brendan meyer said they both have their place for me i like the narbc shows because of the variety chaos and to meet a ton of different people from around the country but you also can't beat a local show where you can make connections in your specific area in a less hectic environment at least here in st louis uh, Thomas Irvin, I prefer the big shows, but going to the local Repticon still has its place. Connor Wardle, uh, who I definitely want to get on THP soon. Uh, he said, I like the smaller shows like the Lone Star Reptile Expos we have in Texas because I get to see local guys that I know. I do enjoy attending NARBC Expos every now and then to see some stuff that is a little less common and being able to talk about herps with some friends out of my state. Facebook friends. Um, Jeremy Carroll, bigger. Seem to have a bigger variety than Crescents and Ball Pythons, though it depends on the show you go to. Dr. Wyman said, kind of split down the middle. I like the smaller local shows for the frequent social factor, but I like, quote-unquote, liked Tinley because there are things there that literally cannot be seen anywhere else. I would probably be slightly more biased if there was a solid large show out here on the East Coast. Because I guess Daytona doesn't count. Yeah. yeah. Northeast. Ha, 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 ha. I don't know. I mean, I kind of agree. Like, I don't really go to local shows anymore. I like to save my my social battery for Daytona. Well, see, I'm I'm in a, a pickle because I physically can't take the time off from work to go to local shows. That too, um, me too. And the I'm off every Sunday, but with the exception who goes of, to shows on Sundays? <laughs> well, no, I was going to say, with the exception of like uh, a Pembroke Pine show and some of the Miami stuff. All the other shows for me are easily a three to four hour drive minimum. And it's like, I'm going to, I have to wake up super early, drive all the way out there only to see the same, you know, 10 people I already know and talk to on a regular mm -hmm. basis per se. Not to sound cocky, but like it's a small circle in that regard. And I'm probably not going to buy anything. So like, I want to go to local shows. I really do, but it's honestly not feasible for me. And I'm really messed up because I really want to go to, the super shows and the Tinley and all that, I, I mean, all the Herp shows and text. Like I want to go to those. I just taking time off from work is just super yeah. difficult for me. 
that's why I make a mission to do Daytona, you know? Yeah, I think those bigger shows, right? You you sort of look at it as well, at least I look at it as like you're gonna have the top reptile people, yeah, breeders at those shows that are gonna have they're gonna be showing off, right? You know, sure. I mean, Daytona or Tinley or the super show, or whatever. Whereas like with the local show, you're gonna get more of that um the you know, boutique type mm-hmm. breeder, you know, but yeah. Travis is right, man. I mean, what do we have here? Hamburg, dude. I I cannot go to Hamburg, man. That's just a shit show. I mean, yeah. I just I can't I can't do it. I know people do it, but I just I can't. <laughs> and uh, especially if you go somewhere like Tinley or Daytona, you know, it's it's like what you guys ain't even on the same ballpark. Apparently, those guys in Texas, uh, they're they're doing a pretty good job with local shows. I don't know how your shows are down where you're at, but appeared or not not that great so well like i mean i no, used I to love going to the um uh, columbia show by justin simply because there's venomous and they did ah. a good they did it well in the back in the day they did a great job of orchestrating it and keeping it professional and so on and so forth so we'd go up just just for that you know um but I don't know. I, I feel like I can't go to Tinley unless I bring a minimum of five grand just spending cash, which I cannot do anytime soon. So, <laughs> well, it's sort of like we all have our own little sections of the U.S., right? You know, a lot right. of the people that are down south are going to go to to Daytona. A lot of the people that are up north are in the you know the Northeast. It's probably well, it's probably about the same drive, it's fifteen hours, either way. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I just I know I would I'd max the credit card out and that would be a bad thing. <laughs> you know? And like I know that the first time I go to Tinley, I'm gonna see animals that I've only dreamed of seeing and yep. wish they were at Daytona. Yep. You know what I mean? And, th- yeah. and that kind of it it kind of annoys me because so many people are willing to go to Tinley, but they're not willing to go the same distance to Daytona. And I feel like I feel yeah, like, like the colder weather. I I, I think I, I can speak for myself that like I went to Daytona maybe five years ago, four years ago. Right. And I think a lot of like the people that I talk to up here would make that trip. But I think that there's a lot of misconceptions about number one, you know, like take Matt, right? I've had this conversation with Matt. We, you know, he would go down there and want to do his, his blood pythons and all. But the idea yeah. is, is that somehow it's, it's diff. You got, you know, the, the paperwork part of it is a pain in the ass. Right. And maybe it's I not, can get that. Yeah. but like yeah. when we're looking at, okay, if I'm going to drive 15 hours this way and all I have to do is set up or I have to drive 15 hours this way. And now I got to do this paperwork bullshit. And I got to do all this, you know, hoops that I got to jump through. It I don't know if my species it, is on a list in this given week. Right. You know, and the other thing is, is like I hear too many old school people say it's not what it was, but it's never going to. It's it's sort of like my frustration when the forums were kind of going away. Right. Everybody's yeah. bitching about the forums that they wish that they came back, but nobody goes to the forums. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, they're not yeah. going to be coming back if you don't go. So like right. Daytona possibly could be. And again, I haven't been there in years, but like when I went, I thought I was impressed. I didn't I didn't think that like and maybe it's because I'm not a ball python person. So maybe, you know, the idea of what it was is, you know, 
I don't I don't know. I, I didn't have any preconceived notion of what it was supposed to be, if that makes sure. sense. Sure. Sure. You know? Oh yeah. But yeah, I think that I, a I lot of that. The, that problem is is with Daytona is that. Yeah. It, and I think that it's one of those cases where and I'm not saying people are lazy or anything like that, but I feel like it's a lot of cases where it's like, oh my God, there's paperwork. And if you really look into it, it's a joke. You know what it I mean? Is. Like it's and but like they don't even want to look at it because it's like oh it's not worth it and then all those people are like oh it's not what it used to be it's not what it used to be it's never going to be what it used to be because things change and evolve like you said yeah you know and and you look at back in the day go to back to like the early 2000s when you could have retics and berms and african rock pythons and all that yeah that was great but those are three or four species that you've cut out the list it, I feel like there's more of a change because now it has to be captive bred and mm-hmm. you don't yeah. have tables full of these crazy exotics that were imported in mass volumes. Cause a, they're not getting imported anymore. They're just not. And right. B it has to be captive bred. So I, I totally get that concept. Um, I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm saddened by it. You know? Yeah. It kind of sucks because Clearly, Daytona is a better place to be. Who would want to be in the cold when you can be in the freaking beach? Yeah. I mean, come on, man. That's no brainer, right? Yeah. I mean, at yeah. least for me. I don't know. Maybe some people yeah. like the snakes and stogies gazebo. <laughs> at the snakes and stogies gazebo. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe you guys will influence that. You know, I mean, you guys are going there and you talk about it and yeah. you hype it up. So maybe you guys will have an influence on people wanting to go, you know, and then. If people are there, then more vendors are going to say, okay, well, you know, maybe the paperwork isn't that bad and maybe I'll give it a shot. And then all of a sudden you have that same, you know, you have it rolling in a positive direction to snowball rather than in the negative direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. Sure. Yeah. And I, think, and flow. That, I yeah. think that that is a great example because I was terrified this past Daytona. I was legitimately terrified. I even told Anna Maria, I was like, man, Justin and I and our friend group, we hyped up Daytona so much. I'm afraid that we overhyped it. And it's gonna it's either gonna make us look bad or people are just gonna be really disappointed. Just like and, Chili's and Del Rio. <laughs> yeah, just like Chili's and Del Rio, right? But I feel like it didn't it didn't do that. It was exactly what we hyped it up to be. Um, I feel like certain individuals uh, thought, oh, wow, the parties are going to be more intense and it's not just going to be a bunch of herpers sitting around drinking beers outside. But it was still a grand old awesome time. So, I don't know. Yeah. Personally, I prefer the Carpet Fest thing. You know, I, I if I was going to yeah. travel the U.S., I would much rather go to another carpet fest than a, uh, and of course I'm going to be biased on that, but like you don't have the whole show thing. You know what I mean? Not that, yeah. not, not that I'm saying that's a bad thing, but just for me, I, you know, I don't know. I just, I would dig that more. Like, I wish I would have been able to go out to this one on the Northwest, you know? Yeah. But, and that's the other thing too, is that as much as we love the carpet fests, I can't go shopping. Yeah, yeah. Well, See, to I'm me, okay that's with not being able to do that. Yeah. No, man, I want to go shopping. I'm a, yeah. I'm, as 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 uh, as Scott says, I'm a snob. I want to go shopping. 
<laughs> so uh, shop at the book table, man. The book table is where it's at. That's the best show table. and the, the best table in the show. Uh, dude, Casey got me um uh field guide to herps of Israel at oh, the really? book table at Tinley. Yeah. So well, there you uh, go, man. As soon as he comes down, I gotta grab that from him. It's awesome. You know, the the cool thing about Tinley is to your point, Phil, is like there's a lot of variety, but I will say this, if you're not paying attention to the variety, you're not going to see the variety. And what I mean by that is like when we came back from, from Australia the first time and I, and, and species are going in my head now and we walk by a table, I'm looking at a knobtail gecko. I'm looking at, uh, you know, water dragons. I'm looking at these monitors. I'm looking at these different things that I just would have been passing to just get to what I want to look at. You know what sure. I mean? I, I you know, I want to go see who has carpet pythons. Okay. Right. Who has, you know, weird colubrids. Okay. There we are. We're standing at the table and then, you know, that's it. And then you're missing a lot, I guess. You know? Yeah. I can totally see that. And I think that's also like, I've had friends tell me, they're like, dude, you've done like four laps. What are you doing? Like, let's go home. I'm like, <laughs> no, because like you're going to, you constantly, you're, like you said, you're constantly seeing things and picking things up. Or better yeah. yet, I may see something that, and this is going to sound stupid, I forgot I wanted. And now you're <laughs> asking yourself, you're like, I used <laughs> to want problem. that. Do <laughs> I still want that? Yeah. You know? Yeah. I don't think I do because mm-hmm. I haven't thought about it in a year, but now it's in front yeah. of me. Like, like, do you, like not this past Daytona, but the one before that. So that'd be 2020, Justin, right? Was that last one? Yes. Okay. So I saw so many Strafuris and they were See, all would... reasonably priced. And I was like, I should just buy like five. Right. No, no, I don't need it. They're arboreal. I don't need it. Um, no, no. And I talked myself out of it. Right. And I'm kind of, I'm kind of glad I did, but that's another example of yeah. every year or every other year. It's different. Like Justin, was that the same year that there were all the roughies? Yeah. Or was it the year, year before that was the same year? Yeah. We, you never expect to see a rough scale Python at Daytona. And there was like six Not different on nine tables. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Crazy. That's but wild. This, but, but this past year, I don't think there was a single one. Was there? No, I didn't see. Well, yeah, there might have been like one table, but there it was literally like one. like one single animal. Yeah. yeah. Meanwhile, Casey comes around the corner with a friggin' angola in his hand. I'm like, where the hell did you get that? You know, it's same same concept. You know, right? So. Yeah. They're cool snakes. That crazy like cannon. That crazy cannon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, gentlemen. That boy's nothing in trouble. It's worth a 237 mark. Oh, wow. 237? Holy shit. Closing remarks, gentlemen. It's been a blast. (laughs) 100%, sir. 100%. Appreciate the invite. We didn't have THP last week because I had a work event. But this week, we will be back on our usual Thursday night. Cool beans. Cool. Five father, when are you uh when are you back on the air? Not not this week, next week? Uh yeah. I, yeah, yeah, next week. Okay. Uh we got the uh calendar contest results. Um Terry Burwell will be uh coming on to uh chat oh, with sweet. us and, and go over nice. the uh 
we'll probably do that live so we can share pictures and stuff and then oh uh, yeah but uh yeah mm-hmm. awesome awesome good stuff well podfather thank you again a pleasure as always yeah likewise absolutely yeah anytime yeah and uh do, everyone don't forget to check out puget sound pythons oh that's right there they are i'm at a different screen now <laughs> venomous so. etiquette videos herpeticulture magazine yes all that good stuff check it out lizard brain radio dive NPR. into it npr yeah jesus <laughs> npr how can we forget the say npr that? network the npr you gotta be under a rock to not be aware of the npr network now that is very true <laughs> very true i'm eager yeah. to see is uh is doc gonna do a fight club while they're out there he already did he did one with keith mcpeak oh beautiful beautiful yeah they did it like we did uh at, in texas so nice awesome that'll be out friday yep cool man can't wait they've been cranking yeah. those out yeah man yeah justin and chuck are pretty uh they, they they took to heart that stick to the schedule thing man yeah <laughs> yeah 100 percent. and yeah. you know what else is, is is we get we go on tangents we go on departures we have these long conversations and they're like bam right in an hour <laughs> yeah you know it's good for yeah. them <laughs> so yeah. i don't know how they do it but <laughs> yeah that's they're not space cadets like us. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> so. Well, ladies right, and gentlemen. All right. Thank you. And Have a good, good evening. Night. Bye.